0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus today. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers on the 2021 season. Bet online, where the game starts. on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is Thursday, October 7th, one of those pure October sports days where I'm just going to be totally overwhelmed. Why? Because it's one of those two days out of the year where you get to go to school and watch baseball all day long. That's right. Major League Baseball games all freaking day Friday and Thursday here and also at night Rams and Seahawks Thursday night football get pumped for that as well it is going to be a hell of a day a hell of a two days really but today specifically a hell of a day in the sports world and we brought Stripe Hype into. Do a podcast here with us, and we were going to watch the Cardinals and Dodgers wildcard game, and we just kept watching and watching and watching and hoping for some excitement. The best we got was one moment that you will hear sometime around the hour mark of the podcast, but we got our one moment in there, and it was just boring the rest of the way. We were on for two hours, two full hours, and we got one home run. That was it of our watch party for the wildcard game. And after we get off, of course, we end with a walk-off home run by Chris Taylor that was totally epic and sets up a Dodgers-Giants series that we've been waiting for for months. Months, I tell you. And the Dodgers had to sweat it out in the wildcard game to get there with an epic Chris Taylor walk-off homer with an epic call by my man Brian Anderson on TBS. What a great game that was, and we got part of it here on our watch party, but also, it's a Stripe Hype Thursday. We've got our shenanigans. We play games. We have fun conversations. Love Love, love my man, Blake, just as a person, like his sports commentary, impeccable, just unbelievably impeccable as an analyst, but just love him as a person. And uh, we have a really great podcast for you here today that is going to break the rule of podcasts that says podcasts should never be longer than two hours. Yeah, we had to break that rule today, part because we wanted to keep watching baseball, but also we got chemistry flowing here on the Take It Easy podcast. So I'm not gonna keep talking anymore. It was a fun Dodgers Cardinals game, two wildcard games today, Rams Seahawks, an actual fun Thursday night game. We'll get to all of that and more here with our boy Blake Jude on this stripe hype Thursday.
1: What's going on, man? How you doing?
0: I am doing great. Let's see if this works here. Can you see my screen? I can. Excellent. Let me see if I can, I don't think I can full screen here, but at the very least, the very least we can see what's going on. No, I'm not a robot. Uh, the, let's see. It looks full on your screen, but I'm going to need to do other things here. So I don't think that's going to work, but at the very least we can be on the same time frame for a Dodgers Cardinals wild card Peyton and Eli mega cast style watch party here, even though it's an audio medium.
1: <laughs> it works to me. It's perfect. Uh, excellent. Yeah, I'm excited. So, for people so, listening yeah. to this, we're and watching finally- the
0: wildcard game. And uh right now it's Cardinals one, Dodgers Zero, top of the third inning. We'll we'll update this frequently as we go along. Or we may just be talking and then something will happen and we'll just do a Peyton and Eli thing and just break into, oh my gosh, look at what's happening.
1: Uh, You know what? This could be our own version of Peyton and Eli. And I like that because Peyton and Eli is the best thing on television right now. Is it?
0: So I haven't watched any of it yet. I haven't watched. I've just watched the clips of like, you know, Eli giving the middle finger or Travis Kelsey did not knowing that they were playing the, the chiefs the next week, but I, I haven't actually watched any of the, uh. Of the actual broadcast, mostly because I just watched I just watched the games on mute Uh, Juan Soto's at the game. That's kind of sad for him, but still funny. Um, But yeah, I haven't watched any of it yet. So give me the lowdown. Why is it the best thing going on television?
1: I mean, like, not only, like, for, for example, Peyton Manning is, I mean, easily one of the most knowledgeable football people you'll ever meet, right? And, I mean, like, he's just a lot of fun. He's, he's a really funny guy, really. And just to see the two brothers, like, you can tell that they're brothers. They act just like brothers to each other. They make fun of each other, always joking around. And they actually have such good football knowledge. And I, I know it's expected, but kind of like how Tony Romo calls all those insane plays during broadcasts, they can almost do the same in some aspect. And it is just really, really enjoyable to watch them uh, joke around, have fun and actually like talk football in general. It just feels like for, for a guy that loves to, you know, learn new stuff, especially when it comes to football and things like that, like that's the perfect show for you They do it in a fun way. It actually makes it entertaining. Uh, I, I think it's amazing. I really like what they do there and it's give them credit cause they are fantastic.
0: See, it's interesting that I haven't gotten into it cause I've been saying for years, especially with baseball that, I think we should convert the baseball broadcast into a talk show and do it like um, you know how they have those like double screens during commercial breaks where like they've got the game on the big screen and then a commercial on the smaller screen or whatever it is like, yeah. I like that idea. But like the the main broadcast is a talk show and then the game is just going on on the other side. Like you, I, I've been a fan of that idea for years and like the player interviews on the field and stuff, but I, it's interesting that given that ESPN's giving you a little taste of that and I haven't taken the bait, I've stuck with the, uh, the team that can't be roasted on the internet, also known as uh, Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lou Riddick. Like, I've stuck with that broadcast, sometimes listening on mute. Just haven't gotten into Peyton and Eli yet, which is kind of weird given that I'm that person who thinks we should have talk show broadcasts as Paul Goldschmidt singles into right field.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, quite honestly, it's it's a lot different, and I will, I'll be for real. I really do not think I would like it. You know, it was just like this is just another thing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll survive, I guess, but it's not going to be like anything I'm going to be like really into uh, for the most part. And you know, I was completely wrong. I mean, it it was a lot better than what I expected, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's 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 hilarious. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's just it, it's a it's a new new kind of like thing I think for sports I don't really know how to describe it but it's new and it's something that I think kind of freshens it up a little bit if it makes any sense at all and yeah. I, I I like it a lot and it's a lot of fun
0: so you're a Reds fan I'm a Padres fan most people know that but maybe this is your first time listening to the podcast who knows so for for like three weeks there, we just kept going back and forth because the Padres and Reds were tied for the last wild card spot. And then they both just fell off the earth and the Cardinals ended up getting the, the last wild card. But since you played hit since you play him 36 times every year, and since the Padres played the Cardinals in the playoffs last year, does Paul Goldschmidt
1: terrify you every time he comes up to the plate? I mean, he's just been one of those guys. Like he, he's not busting rolls to the plate. I'm like, oh god, it's going yard, right? Like he's just so consistent, you know, in in what he does. I just feel like he's always he's always doing something in the game. Like he's never having a bad game by any means, right? Like what's what's his uh, betting average right now? It's like it's, what, it's well above 300, I would assume, right?
0: I would guess it's either like two eighty, two ninety, or above 300. But I can get the answer yeah, for you yeah. right now.
1: Yeah, it might it might be in the two eight two nights, but I feel like every single game he's getting at least two three hits and, and impactful hits too. Like he's been clutch. I, if if the Reds are pitching to the Cardinals' heart of the lineup, they're losing the, the game. It's just not you know between Yadier Molina, Paul Goldschmidt, all those guys, it's just not going to work. So yeah, yeah Tyler I mean, O'Neill's so, actually uh,
0: been the best one this year. I found that out today. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill has the highest OPS on the team. I was kind of surprised by that.
1: Yeah, he's been really good as well. It's it's just really a complete team that they have. And, you know, uh, I think as a Reds fan, I was really worried about between the Padres and Phillies of giving it really just kind of feel like the, the Cardinals came out of nowhere. And if there was one team that did not want to get it, it would have been the Cardinals. So unfortunately, here we are. But, you know, you know what's funny about really that well. is
0: that I, I've made a joke for years now that the Cardinals just exists to win 85 to 90 games. And every now and then that'll be good enough to win the division. And it wasn't looking like it this year. They were like three games below 500 and it took a 16 game win streak for them to get to 90 wins. But the Cardinals will always do just enough to get to 85 to 90 wins. Uh, By the way, Goldschmidt this year hit 294 and he was tied with his teammate Tyler O'Neal for the 10th highest war in Major League Baseball among well among batters. It's even more, but there's a couple pitchers above him. So, uh, tenth in the league in WAR, eighth among batters, tied with Tyler O'Neill for our man Goldschmidt.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he is just freakishly consistent. You know, anytime you need a hit or something from Goldschmidt, he's going to get it. And I'm not the biggest baseball expert per se i've never really claimed to be but man that's this one guy that you know you always know whenever he hits to play it's just so obvious and he's, he's a really good player and he I mean, he deserves success because he has been you know i mean of the couple of years of diamondbacks were at least pretty solid he's been a, a pretty you know guy he's been a guy that's pl- kind of playing on lower teams throughout his entire career now that he's finally with the cardinals they are finally doing something in the division Joey
0: Votto right like he had two years where he made the playoffs maybe one year maybe it was only one year but
1: one year Arizona
0: lost I think they got swept by the Dodgers in like 2017
1: I think that was like their one playoff run gotcha yeah I mean poor Diamondbacks it's just it's been terrible but he's he's still been fantastic I think people are only starting to really recognize his name now that he's a Cardinal because now the Cardinals are a successful team a lot of people watch and it's a shame that that's the case because I mean I remember the Arizona Diamondbacks, Paul Goldschmidt, very, very well. And he was a very dangerous batter whenever he came up to the plate. And I was really, really excited to see uh, where he would go in free agency at that time. And now, I'm, you know, I'm regretting that, <laughs> being that excited, because I realize now he's going to a rival. is going to pretty much destroy us in every game we ever we ever want to play. So,
0: Yeah, I think they, I think so. If I remember correctly, they like traded for him and then signed him to an extension. And then... The first year he was there was 2019 and he was like, like had one of his worst career seasons with the Cardinals. Like it wasn't bad. Like he hit like 260. He had like 20 something homers, but it was not Paul Goldschmidt, like top five hitter in baseball. And so everyone kind of wrote him off. And then the pandemic happened and people didn't realize since then, he's been hitting like 300 with like 36 homers a season. Like the last year and this year, Paul Goldschmidt's just been destroying people. And I think he kind of got rode off of it. But every time he steps up, it scares me. Just every time he plays, it makes me scared as I think the Dodgers are. No, not quite. They're almost going to get out of this inning. But while we were talking, they got two outs, and I think Arenado's on first now. But every time he steps up, I'm scared that he's going to do something dangerous. And that doesn't happen very often. Like that doesn't even happen to Mookie Betts for me. Like, even when Mookie and Mookie Betts is a better player than Paul Goldschmidt. And right. even he doesn't scare me the way Goldschmidt does.
1: Now, there are very few players in the league I would say actually scare someone and I don't know if Joey Votto's one for you he's not for me because I'm a Reds fan I'm really not scared at all I'm <laughs> usually excited whenever he hits the plate but historically he's been a beast but when I think of those guys like that I think of Albert Pujols is a great example uh ironically a long time ago whenever I was a big Reds fan Prince Fielder was a guy I was always terrified to watch Bat uh who whenever he played for the Brewers him and Ryan Braun are both beasts back then uh I also am like you know, freakishly terrified of, of just Mike Trout just based on, like, how successful he's been. he can stay healthy, he's still one of the best players of all time. And, I mean, he, he's a beast. And I, I really do – I remember watching a lot of games that the Reds played with the Angels. And, I mean, every single time he – where it was batting, I felt like it was always something that was a positive for the Angels, and that always worried me. But, you know, I mean, coming from a division that was really stacked with just Brewers and Cardinals players, those are the only guys I mainly think of now, and Paul Goldschmidt certainly kind of join that list.
0: I kind of buried the lead here at the beginning of the pod today because uh, I skipped over the fact that uh, our man – Blake from Cincinnati is on top of the sports world right now because the the Bearcats are ranked number five in the country. The Cincinnati Bengals are three and one. And uh your five and oh Kentucky Wildcats pulled off the upset of the decade for them this weekend. So you you should be allowed to celebrate uh Cincinnati becoming not quite Titletown USA, but they're on the road to becoming Titletown Town USA at this point. So Shout out! Talk about the Wildcats. I will I will cede the floor to you, so you can talk about Kentucky beating Florida at home for the first time since
1: 1984. Yeah, you have to include that stat. But I'm playing. It's a great day to be a Northern Kentucky resident in some ways. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a game that was! I, I was watching it from the beginning. I was honestly didn't have high expectations. I kind of felt like this was going to be written down as a loss. Uh, Cincinnati has or excuse me not cincinnati kentucky i'm sorry he's cincinnati uh kentucky has a a very solid roster by uh you know many means but I, I definitely think that there was some questions that they had in during the game still um will levis the quarterback from kentucky has been very very up and down lately i think he has a lot of potential to be one of if not the best kentucky quarterback in the last decade and a half um but I, since Tim couch really but i, I really think that's you know he still has a lot to prove, and even after this game, I think he still does. He's, he's still a still guy that makes mistakes occasionally, but he can definitely sling the ball whenever needed. And I, I think the biggest key addition Cincinnati or Kentucky, excuse me, uh, had this offseason was definitely Wandell Robinson, the transfer from Nebraska, who has been an absolute beast. Currently leads the the SEC in receiving yards, which you know for an SEC receiver to to, to lead the league in receiving yards, it's definitely gonna recognize. That's gonna be good. Excuse me. That's going to be recognized by people uh, in the draft ranks because he has been really talented and he has a really, really um, good grip on. I just think when it comes to elusiveness, being able to break tackles and really just, I think if you can get the ball in Wanda Robinson's hands in open space, it is going for at least ten to twelve yards. He just has so many different abilities where he can. Um, you know, like he has a dead leg, is what we like to call it, where he just kind of stops on one leg and goes the opposite direction. And I mean, it's impossible to to tackle from what we've seen. It is just absolutely crazy to see how good he is. And when Will Will Levis can get him the ball, it is absolutely lethal for Kentucky. But I think where the, where I was really most impressed with for Kentucky was. By far, seeing how well they played in the trenches. I mean, this is a game that Kentucky pretty much dominated the trenches against Florida, which is insane to think about. I mean, eight false starts for Florida's offensive line, of course, didn't help, but uh, defensive lineman Josh Pascal had pretty much the play of the game and the block punt that was returned by our freshman. Um, they have got Mark One Mark McCall, who didn't even play in the game. His backup, Justin Rogers, came in and performed amazing, but he's also a beast. Uh, I just think top to bottom, their roster is so good. JJ Weaver had a huge interception in that game. He's been a really good edge rusher for them. Jordan Wright as well. Um, and on the offensive line, we've we've known him for a while. Kentucky has really started to breed a, a very, very good group of offensive linemen. They have another guy this year, Darren Kennard. Get familiar with that name. He's going to be a first-round pick, I think, pretty clearly right now. Um, he's probably going to be seen as one of if not the best interior offensive lineman prospect right now uh, in the NFL draft. And he has been, I mean, one of the best-ranked offensive linemen at all, in total this year. He was uh, all-SEC all first team at left tackle, and he has been – he has remained that good. He's just a fantastic player. And I've been really impressed with his performance and to see them just dominate the broad game at the end of the game, getting that huge drive down the field where Chris Robert gets at a nine yard touchdown, they play such a huge factor and they almost blew it. It was close at the end. I was really, I was getting really worried to see uh, if the is going to score that touchdown and send it to overtime, but, uh transfer linebacker from uh, old miss Jaquess jones another guy that's going to be a draft pick here in the future great batted uh pass and he has just been an absolute beast as well and it was just a really complete game i was so happy and i honestly still in shock at this point i i really just it does not feel real uh that we are you know all of a sudden now 15th 16th in the country and uh, that you 14, now have a path to
0: winning the SEC East. Is that, there, there's a clear path to winning the SEC East. It involves beating Georgia, but there is a clear path to winning the SEC East for Kentucky.
1: Well, if you beat Georgia, I mean, we're not just talking about the SEC East, talking about playoffs. Oh, like,
0: no, I mean, I'm joking is... about this. You're going to be like 22 point underdogs <laughs> no, against Georgia. No,
1: no I, yeah. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I mean, like, I mean, it, it, we're not going to beat Georgia at all, right? But at least there's like. Now that now that there's a there's an there's a chance that since or me, Kentucky, uh, can be an eleven and one team. I mean, we're talking about a great New Year's Six bowl. I think someone predicted this play against Oklahoma in a New Year's Six bowl. When was I mean they played Penn State a couple of years ago, but when was the last time we've had that good of a bowl in the, a, in the Sugar Bowl? That is is unreal, and I would be so stoked to see that actually happen. I think that this this team deserves it, and this is going to be uh, they have. I believe 11 of their 14 defensive rotational players are uh, going to be seniors this year. So you're going to lose a lot of guys. I really think this is the year where they can truly impress and hopefully win 11 games. Now LSU is going to be a really tough test. That happens this week but after that, it gets a lot easier after, after Georgia. Uh, and if you can, and if you can keep Georgia close, and all of a sudden, you maybe see Georgia beat Alabama in the championship game. That makes you look really, really good. Because if you, if you play a, a Georgia team that's close and they end up being the number one ranked team in the country, that can really, really help your stock when it comes to rankings. And, you know, I mean, it, it's playoffs are far out there. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. But it's just the, the thought of being 5-0 and and now being what they would call in the hunt for the playoffs, I think it's just unreal and super, super cool to see how that all happened.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is prepare for the letdown game against LSU. That's what I'm hearing yeah, is that is this week is going to be the letdown game.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, I think, I think Kentucky's roster understands LSU is really good and, you know, they're going to be a problem, but I what's interesting worry. is
0: like LSU isn't really good. Like I'm here, there was a report from, I, I can't remember if it was ESPN or who was it, but basically they're like Orgeron's job is kind of in jeopardy right now. And this is like the new SEC where, um it, actually this is a fun stat in the in the last three years out of fourteen teams do you know how many s e c teams changed coaches just in the last three years
1: uh ten
0: it is close it's nine nine different oh. teams changed coaches within the last three years and I guess that's kind of LSU looking up and saying, eh, we're kind of average now. We're worse than Arkansas. We're worse than Ole Miss. Where do we go as a program at this point? So you guys probably should beat them. Like LSU is not actually that good when we think about it.
1: No, it's certainly true. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think that it's still LSU, right? And they have a lot of really good recruits. They have a very, very good wide receiver. who has been amazing. Uh, But, you know, again, Derek Steenley is now out for the season pretty well I think Uh, I believe he just had surgery on his I think foot Uh, and he will be gone through the entire uh of course for sure the game and probably the rest of the season so I mean on paper I think this is a game that I think Kentucky's favored to win and I think a lot of Kentucky fans expect to win but again it's 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 LSU and I just really if we beat LSU this program's going to the next level because we're we're probably going to be a top 11 top 12 probably hopefully team uh next weekend i mean that that georgia game it's gonna be at georgia so we have no chance but if you can keep it close you know florida really didn't drop whenever they almost beat alabama if you can keep the georgia game within two possessions i think that you're looking really really good rankings wise for the future
0: so i'm looking at it now so i'm trying to go back into the kentucky archives and find out what is the best bowl game that you've played since then because it felt like the, um, what was it? The, um, the citrus bowl with Benny Snell and Josh Allen, that felt like kind of the peak of arc of, uh, Nebraska foot. Uh, wow. I gave you Arkansas and Nebraska. I meant Kentucky. <laughs> um, you, all your programs have been basically the same for 30 years or 20 years, but, uh, Arkansas, Nebraska and Kentucky, but going back through the archives, it looks like you had a Liberty bowl in 2009. So that was something. You guys played in the the Peach Bowl in 1993. That's pretty good. That's you know that's a that's an okay bowl game. the The Peach Bowl. Then you have going all the way back, other than just meaningless bowl game, meaningless bowl game. You guys played in the 1976 Peach Bowl. That's pretty good. Not a New Year's Six game at the time, but still, you know, it's a pretty good bowl game for Kentucky. Then they you go back further and further, and you find the 1952 Cotton Bowl. That is the last big game <laughs> that uh, Kentucky played in. Uh, also, they made an Orange Bowl in 1950 against Santa Clara. I don't know whether that's Santa Clara, California, or who, who where that's from. But you guys played Santa Clara in the 1950 Orange Bowl.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the best <laughs> for us, but. I mean, honestly, like the Citrus Bowl is the best bowl we've had in recent memory, right? And the, the the thought of it possibly being one ups i mean, it's hard to get much better than the Citrus Bowl for sure. But if you can get the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma, that is—I mean—just a whole other level for this program. And I would really, really hope to see it because keep in mind, like game, like you know, even though you're probably going to do all this to get blown out by Georgia this year, this is going to look really, really good for recruiting. For recruiting, they already have a second, twenty-second ranked, uh, re, you know, uh, recruiting class uh this year on uh, this upcoming class so they're they're gonna look really really good so far they already have a five-star tackle coming, so hopefully he can come in and be a beast but they also got a lot of other people who are four or five-star talents who are watching these games and thinking hey Kentucky's he's legit this might be a new a new step up from the program and I think one thing that people really really f- like I think forget to see or forget to recognize for Kentucky is like uh, us football fans get so easily pleased right like a seven and five season is great for us and we we keep our expectations tempered i think the biggest problem right now for like oklahoma and spencer rattler is like they they're currently undefeated right now but everyone's calling spencer rattler's ted because of how close they're playing other teams that's never been an issue for us kentucky you know fans or stuff like that it's never been a problem at all and i really think that is that kind of makes like a almost a um I really don't know how to explain it. It makes like a peaceful, uh, you know, fun environment where like they just enjoy football. And I think that really just kind of gives Kentucky the edge in some recruiting aspects. But also, if you take that along with the fact that they're actually legit now, who knows? Maybe this actually starts pulling them in some bigger prospects, maybe pull, make some better teams in the future.
0: It's no stress, but also with the SEC money and schedule. Like you can get SEC vibes, but not have the stress right. of being an SEC school. And The good news for Kentucky's program, I think more than anything else uh, under Mark Stoops, because I said that um, nine of the 14 teams have changed coaches in the last last three years. Kentucky's not one of them. Mark Stoops has been there for like nine years now. And that's like, I think that makes him other than Saban, the longest tenured coach in the SEC, which is kind of weird to think about, but... Yeah, Mark Stoops has created like a cool environment where they're no longer the bottom feeders. Like South Carolina and Vanderbilt are now the bottom feeders that used to be Kentucky who they, you know, lose by 50 points to Georgia or Florida and don't <laughs> don't beat Florida for 33 years and then beat them in an upset a few years ago and then beat them at home this time. Like the good news is you guys aren't bottom feeders anymore, so that's kind of the cool thing. Is that now you get to be the team that beats Vandy by forty points or beats South Carolina by twenty five points instead of being the team that loses to those teams.
1: Yeah, I mean it has been a complete revamp of the the entire I mean organization, and I give credit to Mark Sto- Mark Sto- because he's been that guy that has completely just changed everything. He hired a guy named Vince Mero who is a very very uh, talented recruiter and a guy that has really helped him get a lot of talent uh, as well as also like improving that talent. Like Josh Allen was a guy that was a two-star recruit that this, this group saw potential in this guy and ter- and turned him from a, a guy that was probably going to play Juco had he not gone to Kentucky to what, what ended up being a top 10 pick in the NFL draft a couple years ago. And now he's probably the best edge rusher on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, I mean, they have completely just changed and improved talent. And, guys, and and you're seeing it year after year. This is, I believe, this is the highest recruiting class Kentucky's had in Mark Stoops' era. They're getting better and better at recruiting, and these teams are getting better and better in general. You're getting better players. Wondell Robinson's going to be a great player uh, in the NFL. Darren Kennard's going to be an NFL player. You have guys like, uh, I already mentioned, um, uh, you know, Will Levis is going to be a, a possibility of a future NFL player if he, if, if he is able to improve next year, as well as guys like Jack West Jones, DeAndre Sway, the linebackers, I think could be really good. You're, you're continuing to build more and more NFL future draft picks, and these are reflecting in your recruiting. And as you're getting better in recruiting, it's just going to keep going, you know, in a turnover. And after a while, you might find yourself in a similar position to what Tennessee did several years back whenever they were one of the bigger powerhouses in the SEC.
0: Yeah. Or at the very least, you guys get to be like a step, you get to be like right on the level of Florida and Georgia and like that third tier of groups because 22 recruiting classes, nothing to sneeze at. That's still pretty damn good for even an SEC school, considering they don't have the same resources as other teams of those sorts. I did I I got super interested in Kentucky football. You'll do this to me because you have such a passion for the team that you'll get me excited about Kentucky football, which used to be a punchline. But now, like we talked about, they're not really a punchline anymore. They're kind of they're better than Missouri. They're better than South Carolina. They're better than Vanderbilt. Like at the very least, they're going to finish fourth in the SEC East every year. Trey Turner is up with the bases loaded and one out right now for people listening on here. So I might just start screaming within the next few minutes. If the Cardinals get a double play coming up here, but yeah, Kentucky football, it's getting me actually excited to talk about that in a weird sec way where we know Alabama and Georgia are just destined to play for the sec championship. The rest of the conference is kind of at a changing time in in really college football as a whole, but especially the power dynamics of the conference.
1: Yeah, um, and and I'd hate to not give credit to uh, the other teams in Ohio, the Bearcats in specific, for playing really well because despite me being a Kentucky fan, I actually, believe it or not, watch almost every single Cincinnati Bearcats and Ohio State Buckeyes game, even though I'm not necessarily rooting for them. It's an Ohio team that I watch, and they usually play different levels of competition. Cincinnati usually has your opponents and blows them out every time, but Ohio State's playing against Michigan guys like that every year, and I, I really enjoy watching uh, games of teams that are, you know, pretty close to us. So, um, you know, watching that Bearcats-Notre Dame game, huge win for them, of course. Notre Dame looked terrible. Uh, you know, their, their starting quarterback was kind of hurt throughout the process, uh, Jack Cohn, I believe. But, I mean, Desmond Ritter looked legit yet again this uh, that last weekend. Man, Ahmad Sauce Gardner is another guy that if you're not an NFL draft person, you're going to get familiar with that name because he is going to be an unreal cornerback on the NFL level. He's currently a quarterback three, uh, in my rankings right now, but man, he looked so good. He got a big interception in that game versus Notre Dame. And he's just, when it comes to ball skills and just being able to shut down the cornerback one for an opposing team, he's got it. And that's exactly what you want. He, he I, I haven't really gone with player comps or anything like that yet, but he's got a lot of aspects of NFL players that you can just see in this game. And it really makes me excited for the future. And Cincinnati's a team that, you know, they, they should make the playoffs this year. This is a team that is, Currently five uh, and zero, and t- they're the next toughest game is going to be SMU. So I mean, they they have a pretty easy road ahead as long as they just handle business. And I mean, this is a team that I'm. I mean, not only could they be you know twelve and zero in the playoffs, and not be the two seed right now. Because keep in mind, Georgia plays Alabama, Penn State plays Iowa, and Penn State also has a couple of tough opponents against guys like Ohio State and. In um, Michigan, of course. So it's a possibility that not only Cincinnati's in the playoffs, they might be the two-seed could make it to the championship. So, I mean, it really, really impressive to see how well uh, they are performing, and they deserve a lot of credit.
0: Let's go. Trey Turner hit into a double play. <laughs> End of the inning. Let's go, Cardinals. Only because I hate the Dodgers. Dodgers, you can go bleep yourselves. <laughs> Bases loaded one out. He hit into a double play. Still one nothing Cardinals. Um, Yeah, you are correct about all of the things that you just said about Cincinnati. And I I don't have my UCF 2017 National Champion t-shirt on right now, but UCF walked so that Cincinnati could run. UCF (laughs) gave Cincinnati the platform to do what it is they're doing now. And I think it would only be fitting if two weeks from now, Cincinnati went into the bounce house down in Orlando and lost to UCF that UCF <laughs> got to take it away from them right before they got to be the team to make the college football playoff out of the group of five. Like UCF is the person who gets to say, Nope, we we have built this up and we are not going to step aside for you to claim our spot in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm picking UCF to upset Cincinnati and ruin all of this two weeks from now. But the thing I found interesting about Cincinnati is like, they've got legitimate NFL players on that team. Like they have, they're going to be one of the most NFL, like most players drafted in next year's draft, assuming everyone leaves school. Like some juniors might stay a senior year, but they've got like tons of NFL players up and down that roster. And it's just weird because of course they're Cincinnati. They don't play in a major conference, but they've got all these NFL dudes up and down the roster.
1: Not only that, they have a possibility of three guys going in the first round, which is, I mean, for Cincinnati football, that's unheard of, right? I mean, Desmond Ritter, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, and Majai Sanders are all legitimate prospects. So I think a lot of people are putting in the first round right now to continue to play the way they have. And I mean, for a you know, uh, for a school like Cincinnati, never like I mean, especially when you consider it being a Group of Five team, it is just astounding to see a. Uh, them being drafted as high as they are. Can you mind how good Coastal Carolina was last year? And I believe their highest drafted player was in round four. I mean, this is a team that is in the group of five that's going to have three guys possibly going the first round. So, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on Cincinnati when it comes to uh, playoff time because they are a legitimate team that I think could you know, possibly get an upset or two uh, in the playoffs and, and here down the line. And so I'm really excited to see how um, all these guys continue to improve and, and get better because they are legit. Uh, right now, I've scattered all three between Ritter, Sanders, and and um, um, Gardner. And I think all of them are going to be guys that I can definitely see being first-round prospects. They have to test again in the future.
0: So I, I also buried another lead here because uh, you remember the, uh, the, the curse that we had back going in, in March and April where every time we did a podcast, some major breaking news would break immediately after we recorded?
1: Yeah, I, I heard that this happened to you yesterday.
0: Yes, it it did. Uh, So we, we recorded our podcast the night before and dropped it in the morning. And literally 10 minutes later, Stephon Gilmore was released, which then he wasn't released because then the Patriots all of a sudden traded him to Carolina for a sixth round pick. And now that we have NFL draft expert and I guess just NFL expert here, Blake Jude we can ask him about Stefan Gilmore because obviously he's not healthy right now and he didn't play great last year but the fact they couldn't get more than a sixth round pick for him in a salary dump was kind of surprising considering we were talking about like could the Cardinals get a first round pick or could they get him for a first round pick in the draft last year or a high second round pick or something like that I I was surprised that they just
1: definitely think when you looked at the Stefan Gilmore trade what what really kind of what I kind of really gained from it was it was almost pretty obvious that Stephon Gilmore was not going to be playing anymore in a Patriots uniform it just wasn't going to happen regardless right so might as well get something uh for it I think is what the Patriots kind of philosophy was and you know maybe Carolina played that toward their advantage and just went for him I think a lot of a lot of teams are already kind of comfortable with their cornerback room like you mentioned Carol you know the Cardinals are seen as a team that possibly could have Possibly could have offered for him last year, but now the cornerbacks are playing really, really well. Byron Murphy's fantastic, so they really didn't have a need for it. And I think I think the Panthers realized like, hey, we can probably get a good deal for stuff on Gilmore, so let's just offer a really low pick. And Patriots are like, you know what? It's fine. Well, at least we get something for him, and that's kind of what really ended up happening. So, of course, I mean, the, for the Panthers, this is a great deal, fantastic. I, I mean, I'm really happy for them. Um, they really needed to replace JC Horn's production. They try to get uh, C C G Henderson, of course, who. Is currently on the roster as well, but I think still needs some development. Now you get a guy that can really help this team win now, which I think is huge uh, for, for them. But I think what what I really gained from this was, I mean, this is just the Patriots kind of moving on from Gilmore. Had he not uh, been, been traded, he was probably getting released the next day, how it was reported originally. And all that would have done was made Carolina probably have to bid more for him. Uh, so I, I mean, definitely I went for Carolina f- for sure to be able to get Gilmore, but, but I mean, for the Patriots, I'm not really deducting any points. Cause I just think Gilmore kind of made it clear that he was not coming back.
0: That's why it was so weird though. Like they, they announced his release. Gilmore posted that they were parting ways on Instagram. And then like hours later, it's like, Oh, nope. Sorry. We're just going to actually do a trade real quick here with the Panthers of all teams. Like we were hearing he's connected to the bucks. He's connected to the Seahawks. He's connected to the Packers. And then all of a sudden it's like, Nope, here's Carolina, a team that we kind of think could make the playoffs, but also like. Not really in buy now mode. Nope. Here we go. We're just going to get, <laughs> we're going to get Stefan Gilmore. We're going to get him for a sixth round pick and just cap space. And we're going to make that move and not wait for free agency. Like it felt like the Patriots leaked that they were going to release him just so they could then get a sixth round pick, which would be baller move by Bill Belichick, but also just such a weird few hours trying to figure all that
1: out. Well, if there's one team I value six round picks, you got to think it's probably the Patriots because of their history of hitting on those late picks. But, yeah, and the
0: fact that uh, Bill Belichick always fails with his first and second round picks.
1: Yeah, exactly. But you know, at, at the same time, I, I think this could have just been a, a move where Carolina thought they were parting ways, and then they we're like, "Hey, is it made official yet?" And New England's like, "Well, no, not yet." And they're like, "Here, can we just give you a six round pick so we can get them before anyone else?" And they're like, "Okay, sure. No, I can see that being the case. Maybe, maybe." Gilmore posting it on his Instagram actually maybe help the Patriots in a way there. Uh, but, you know, who knows? That, that might not be the case. But I definitely think that uh, I, it seemed like the original plan was for him to be released. And it kind of ended up being something uh, that, you know, gave him a pick. And I mean, that's, I mean, for for the Patriots, that's one more pick, I guess. And that's going to help them uh, in a little bit. Depends on what think, the players, you know, of course, but it should help.
0: Think about it now. The Panthers chose to not sign James Bradbury back in 2020. And since then, they've given, they've spent a first round pick. On JC Horn, a third and a fifth in the CJ Henderson trade and now a sixth round pick to try and upgrade. They also signed AJ bad and boyer but that didn't really do very much there. Like he's just kind of a nice little piece, but they could have just signed James Bradbury for the same money they gave Teddy Bridgewater. And instead, they've now used a first, a third, a fifth and a sixth round pick to try and upgrade their cornerback room. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think they only use a third. I think they got a fifth back in that trade. Ah, um, that would make more sense. What, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, the, still a great point. I mean, like it would have been just so much easier to get the better corner in James Bradbury, who's far more proven and doing fantastic in, in New York right now. But, um, you know, I, I definitely think looking at their cornerback room now, it looks possibly even better than what it would have been if had you kept Bradbury, honestly, because – I mean, Dante Jackson's already there right now. You already have some Jay Henderson with the squad right now. And now that you add stuff on Gilmore, that's just going to give you another guy that can help replace uh, JC Horn's production now that he's gone. And when he comes back, all of a sudden you have a first round pick joining that group. And, you know, I don't know how long Gilmore's going to be a uh, Carolina Panther, but if he stays, I mean, that's a very, very stacked secondary. You know, pair that up with Jeremy Chan, the great rushing duo of Hassan Reddick, Brian Burns, as well as guys like Derek Brown is a stat defense and really the only position I think they would really need on the defense now is probably interior linebacker or excuse me inside linebacker uh, where I think you can definitely improve but outside of that it's really really good and now their offense is rolling I and mean, this is a team that I think has definitely earned themselves in to be in the playoff talks.
0: <laughs> speaking of playoff talks we'll get to that in a sec. By the way Stephon Gilmore is a free agent at the end of this season so this is like yeah. a one-year move for them but um, speaking I, I've so We do stuff over with the slump buster on YouTube. Check that out with our boy Juju talk sports for anyone listening to this as well. And, and apparently now I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a Carolina, I'm sorry, not Carolina. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals hater um, because one of the games we previewed this week was Packers and Bengals. And he's like, yeah, this is a matchup between two playoff teams. I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I know the Bengals are three and one, but I don't think of playoff team when I think of Cincinnati Bengals and now apparently, I I hate the Cincinnati Bengals because I'm aggressively saying that they're not going to be a playoff team because they play twice against the Ravens, twice against the Browns, the Packers, uh, the Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, and Raiders left this season. So do you wanna do you wanna come after me as well for being a Bengal hater, or are you also tempering expectations for the number five ranked defense in the NFL, Cincinnati Bengals?
1: Yeah. Um... I mean, it all just depends on how his coaching staff does because the coaching staff is really the key to their success. Talent wise, I think they can make the playoffs. That may shock a lot of people, but Joe Burrow looks fantastic this year. He has been great. They have a very, very good roster. They have some of the best weapons in the league. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They have guys uh, like I said, the 5th reg defense. So you pair that up with—I mean, their offensive lines performed well. I mean, this is a team that could make the playoffs. Now, will they? I don't know. I'm not going to go into it, assuming the Bengals are a playoff team, right? Like I wouldn't say that if I'm if I'm talking about the game. But I think there's a path to making the playoffs. I, I think that really what what I need to see is them probably beat one of the teams between Cleveland and Baltimore. And I think if they're able to handle business against some some of these AFC West teams like the Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, then we could be having conversations about a playoff. But until that happens, I'm not going to assume anything. I'm probably going to keep my expectations tempered. I think I currently have them going 8-9 and nine right now. So, yeah, I still think there's still room to be, uh, there's still some work to be done if you're the Bengals. But, I mean, it's not out of the question right now. If you start off, if you beat Green Bay this week, then yes, we're talking playoffs for sure. It's a 4-1 and one start. It's a team that can definitely win six games and and uh, or six in the next 12 games. That's 100% going to be uh, something that we could talk about. But, uh, I need to see them be a legit team first. And even though the Vikings, I would say, are a legit team, I really don't know how well they played that week. kind of felt like they really started off slow, and have since improved. So don't really know how much I trust that win in general. Pittsburgh has been terrible. Jacksonville was terrible, and you still almost lost to them. So I need to see you prove yourself against a good team. And I'm actually going to the game again this week, so I really hope to see them perform well against Green Bay.
0: How cool was it to watch that last field goal from our man, Mick oh. Swagger, knocking it down for the second time this season to win the game. How cool
1: is that? I, I wish, I wish, uh, I like had a had the chance to be closer to the field because, I mean, it oh. was. Rocking. I mean, I, I was already close. I was in the second level. I mean it, it was pretty close. But I mean, you used to see recordings from everywhere and there were just so many Bengals fans erupting. I actually have it recorded on my page of our of our perspective from it. It wasn't as loud in the second row, but it was still, I mean, rocking. And I wish I could experience the full uh the the full blow up of McPherson making the field goal. I mean, there was there really wasn't a doubt in my mind. I was shocked when he missed the first field goal. And actually, if you if you if you the game and watched that field goal, it really looks like it could have been called as a make, and no one would have argued it. It was like right above the left uh, the, the left upright. I, it was so close, and to see him bounce back and just drill a game winning field goal, like it was absolutely nothing, was awesome. I was really so I, I actually put up my phone to record originally, right? And I really wasn't like expecting too much because the Jaguars still had a timeout left. So I was thinking, like, hey, they're going to ice the kicker, all right? Just in case, I'm going to pull up my phone and record this just to see what happens. Uh, and he kicks it and it shocks me. Like, for a second, like, I don't even speak. I'm like, what the heck? And it goes through. And, I mean, everyone just went crazy. It was a sold-out crowd in Cincinnati. It was, I think, the best attendance we've had since, like, 2018. It was the most viewed game on Thursday Night Football since 2018 as well um it, it was just a great moment and really really cool and they're actually sold out again this sunday versus green base so i'm hoping that crowd could play another big factor in this game and hopefully somehow hope uh, slow down aaron Rodgers in this squad because they do have a lot of injuries that they're dealing with and they, i think they are capable of getting upset in some way
0: yeah unfortunately that was my analysis for that game which is basically just i know the Bengals have a good defense but the packers have aaron Rodgers, aaron jones and Devontae adams And the the Bengals don't. That was my analysis for picking the Packers. It's like those dudes can just single-handedly win you games against like teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack. So no, no disrespect to the Bengals. I don't hate the Bengals. I'm just, I think coming into the year, I don't think many people had the Bengals making the playoffs. So I think everyone pivoting on it feels like a little bit of an overreaction, especially because that schedule is brutal. Not to make it all about me. Of course, this is your team's, you're having this massive success to start the season. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and Kentucky are all amazing so far this year. So congratulations to you. And uh, also the Dodgers are now batting. And I'm afraid of Justin Turner, too. Not because Justin Turner is good. I'm just afraid of Justin Turner in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, no, but, but, to, but to kind of like, I guess, hop on that point a little bit. I mean, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And I actually like agree with you on some aspects of that. Like, you mean, I mean you agree that t- Justin
0: Turner looks like a psychopath, correct? Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> that That and the Bengals point that you made in, in, in talking about like, I mean, this is still a squad that still needs to prove themselves because they have a very, very tough schedule at the end of the season. At the same time, I mean, you, you look at, you you wonder how good these Broncos and Raiders teams are as well. Like there's still a lot of teams the Bengals play that are still just as improving as they are, right? I mean, that's, You know, you you think of the 49ers are still relatively unproven. Um, I I would say the the Broncos, the Raiders are still unproven. I want to say, uh, you know, even teams like possibly the Ravens are still unproven. Despite them beating the Chiefs, they're still a team that has shown some struggles and don't seem invincible. I mean, I I think this is realistically a, a team that, hey, if they continue to play at this level, they can't make the playoffs. Uh, for certain and I really want to see how they perform against Green Bay for me to really be able to decide on that because if they play Green Bay close or if they beat Green Bay then I think we're starting to talk about true playoff contention but I mean right now if I'm doing AFC rankings when it comes to playoff you know potential uh, I'd probably put them at like eighth or ninth out of seven so I can definitely see them just not making the playoffs but being really close so if we're talking about playoff contention yes we're gonna make the playoffs don't know yet. It's still like a TBD determined kind of thing. So I guess I'm taking middle ground right now as a Bengals fan.
0: I'm so glad that oh god, Justin Turner just hit a home run. Oh god. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. Oh oh. Right as I started talking. Oh no. I was afraid of that. No.
1: uh dear, Justin Turner. <laughs>
0: I was afraid of just a
1: psychopath.
0: Not de- no, cuz he looks like a psychopath. The man looks like he is going to come by my house and just start knocking on my door and make me have to hide in my room. Like Justin Turner ugh. Oh, God. I was afraid of that. No, Justin Turner. He scares me. me. He's on the level with Goldschmidt now. Justin Turner officially scares me. Justin Turner, by the way, fun fact, is also the reason that I punched a door back in 2019 because he hit a home (laughs) run against the Nationals, which the Nationals ended up winning the series anyways, but he forced a game five and I was like banking hard that the Dodgers would lose. And I apparently punched a door because Justin Turner hit a home run. So, I think I am maybe afraid of Justin Turner at this point.
1: So to be honest, are are you a Padres fan or are you a Dodgers hate?
0: So this is the thing. When your team doesn't make the playoffs for 15 (laughs) consecutive years, you have to find some kind of rooting interest in the playoffs. So I think rooting against the Dodgers kind of became my thing in childhood, but it didn't hurt me as bad when they won the world series last year. Cause like, the Padres got a chance. Technically they got swept out by the Dodgers in embarrassing fashion, but I think I don't hate as much as I used to like all of my like irrational hatreds from childhood have kind of faded away a bit as I've become a more of a, a nuanced analyst of sports more than a fan. I think a lot of my hatreds have fallen away, especially with Tom Brady. Like after last year, I just had to laugh at what's happened with Tom Brady instead of making myself miserable.
1: You know what? I, I totally agree with you. And I'm, in, I'm the exact same way. Like for, especially when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I can definitely look at that team now and just think of it from like an analytical point of view, rather than actually having emotion just thinking like, ew, Pittsburgh, you know. Uh, I definitely think I have turned into more of a quote unquote analyst than I have a fan of teams. that really keeps me unbiased in certain ways. Like I'm able to actually like go into a game expecting to win or lose. Right. And I think for me. That actually makes things a lot better because I, I expect that us now, I mean, as a Bengals fan, I was thinking this to win every game, right? But now to see, like, hey, this is a possible trap game like Jacksonville was or just seeing a team that obviously outmatches us like Green Bay, I'm thinking, like, hey, you know, this isn't a game that I expect us to win, but we could, and so I'm going to root for them and hope they win. But if they don't, I'm not too worried because we know what the team is already. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of how I enter in, these games in uh, thinking right now. And I think that kind of really – has helped me, I guess, keep my emotions out of sports now. That's something that I really struggled with as a kid because, uh, you know, I was a diehard of these teams. And especially watching, you know, Cincinnati blow the 2015 playoffs to Pittsburgh, that just ruined me as a kid. Uh, Now I'm just thinking like, you know what? It's another week of football. You know, as long as football is playing, I'm happy.
0: Yeah, and the thing that I get told all the time about that is that you don't, you're not like getting a true experience in sports. Like you're not a real sports fan. And I'm like, I love sports. I'm just not, it doesn't make me miserable. Like sports are this weird form of entertainment where you can actually pay tons of money and not get the results you want. Like if you go to a concert, like you're not going to leave miserable from a concert. You're going to, you know what you're getting. If you go to uh, like a, a play or a movie, you know what you're getting for the most part. Like in sports, you can leave totally miserable after paying tons of money to be sad. And I just say that like, I just have less misery in my life out of sports, which feels better. Like if you eliminate the lows and still have some of the emotional highs, like I think it's still pretty cool. And it's not like I don't have biases. Like I, Patrick Mahomes made me love football again. Like I, I was kind of casually out on football after the chargers left. Like I just wasn't like sitting down at one o'clock every day and watching a chargers game on Sunday, just cause they left. And Mahomes brought me back in. So, of course, I love Patrick Mahomes. But I thought that was good. I like, I originally hypothesized and I told a couple people about this. Like, I thought that because I loved Mahomes, I was going to hate Lamar Jackson. And I love Lamar Jackson. And they're like direct rivals at this point. And I love Mahomes and I love Lamar Jackson. And I didn't think that would happen. And like, That's the example I point to of like growth within being a fan. I point to that example and I point to the fact that like, yeah, I want the Dodgers to lose, but if the Dodgers win, okay, that sucks. Good for them, I guess, but I don't hate them the same way I did as a child where I got to October. I'm like, well, if the Padres aren't going to make it, let's hope the Dodgers don't get it.
1: I, I think we, we, we've just learned to appreciate the rivalries that we have now, because that is what makes sports so much fun, right? Like the, the whole entire aspect of it's so unexpected. Anything could happen, I think, is what gives fans so much excitement, right? Like, you know, it could, of course, be terrible, but when it's good, it's great, right? Like you want to have those great moments. For example, Evan McPherson game-winning field goal, for me, was great. It made My entire month, pretty much. And, I, and so much fun, my friend. I, my or friend it made it. It made it for game.
0: you for two days until Kentucky won, and you got to tear down the streets in Lexington. So it lasted yeah. two days until you had a cool moment. Also there,
1: right? I mean, you just it just kept piling on top of a, 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 you know the success and having fun. But I, my friend went to Cincinnati game, and he had never been to an NFL game in his life. He's actually a Green Bay Packers fan, and he loved it so much. He was like, hey let's go to the Green Bay Packers game as well. I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, And I just I was just so down because I, I had so much fun. And now we have Green Bay Packers tickets and we're going next week too. Uh, but I mean, it, you just really enjoy those moments whenever it's actually like we're having fun and the team's winning and good things are happening because anything can happen in sports. That is one thing that, you know, in movies you have expectations. You know that the, the new movie coming out is going to have a certain plot about it just based on the title, the trailer, everything like that. With the sports game, anything can happen. It just it, anything at like anything at all can happen in a sports game. We've seen so much stuff that is just crazy, uh, highlight plays, um, you know, questionable calls, all that stuff. It it is all really really crazy cool. Upset too. So unique, like yeah. yeah, I mean, all of it. It's it's really cool. I think it's what makes sports for me. It's just so enjoyable to see. And plus, for me, I don't know why, but I just I, I like to just. View the talent. I mean, it's pretty obvious awesome, I'm an NFL draft scout, uh, or I, I am a self-proclaimed one. Uh, but uh, I, I just no, you're a legitimate NFL how, draft
0: scout. You're a crazy person who does 255 draft scouting players. Like, no, you're you're a legitimate draft scout.
1: One thing that just so impresses me so much is to see how great players maintain their success, right? Because it kind of feels like you would think the average human being, if they were playing in a league uh would have a great game, would have a bad game, would have an okay game. But then you see guys like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, who are consistently going for unreal numbers each week. And, I mean, Derrick Henry's a good example as well. And you're thinking, like, how do these guys get to that point? And you start watching them slowly going from year by year, seeing them get to the point where they're unstoppable, and you're like, well, now I, I want to start actually watching these guys before they're at that point, which is why I got so much into scouting and watching guys like – Joe Burrow, Chase Young, guys like that, who were still in college and, and not dominant yet, but I could see the idea of them being dominant forces in the future. And I'm so excited, and I've just continued to go and build on that year by year.
0: So, do you feel like now that you've gotten more into like scouting and and being an analyst more than anything else, that you could you like take those lessons into the sports that you cover? Because, like, I know for me, the Padres are still that one team that I hang on to emotionally. But because I understand baseball better than I used to, I look at it now and I'm like, why are you riding or dying on every result? It's 162 games. Like how, how do you keep this up for six months and, and still remain sane? Or, you know, how, how do you look at like being worse than the Dodgers and also being like one game sample sizes are completely random. Like all of this, two years of acquiring players, two years of drafts and, and 300 games and all of that. All of it is about one game that we're now watching right now here on a YouTube or a podcast live stream. Like, I guess I I found more nuance that way now that I understand it. And so, like, I still love the Padres and I feel hurt when they play worse than the Baltimore Orioles the final two months of the season. But... I guess I'm just not like riding or dying with every result. I'm not miserable when they lose and over ecstatic when they win, except for that one playoff series last year where Tatis flipped his bat in that game too. That was probably the coolest moment in San Diego sports of my lifetime.
1: Yeah. I think I've gotten really good at just being like, I have Blake the fan and then like Blake the analyst, right? Like I will be, At the end of a Sunday game, I'll be completely angry, upset that we lost and everything like that. And the next day on Monday, I joined for a podcast, talk about the Bengals lost. I'm totally fine, right? It just, I'm over it at that point. I just think in the heat of the moment, I get emotional. And that's why it still makes, uh, not not emotional, but like I get excited, angry, things like that. And it makes me, uh, that's what still keeps the fun in sports for me. But at the same time, I'm able to just completely just reset that in my brain and just not care the next day when I'm actually talking about sports whenever I actually should have the emotion in it. Because, I mean, hey, it's just a game, right? Like you just think like it's a game. And it's something that we have to realize because I think a lot of fans need to realize it's just a game. And these guys are making millions of dollars to just play a sport they grew up playing as kids. You know, Super Bowls are fun. There's a lot of emotions in in games, sometimes from players as well. But at the end of the day, they're just there to – collect their checks, play the game that they love and leave. And sometimes you just got to appreciate that. I like to think that sometimes whenever the Bengals leave, I'm like, hey, they're out there, they're, they're enjoying, them. you know, of course they hate losing. And that's understandable, but they're out there making money, enjoying the game that they love. And that's all That's all that really matters in that case. And so it sounds kind of like uh, wholesome when you think about it, but at the same time, I mean, it's just really how I process it in my brain. I'm just like, you know, it's a football game. I don't have to get so worked up about it.
0: I do the same thing, just in a more cynical comedian type of way, because that's just how I am. I'm just very sarcastic. I've run a meme page, for <laughs> God's sakes. So I've been doing it for five years. So at a certain point, you're pretty sarcastic. But I just say like sports mean a lot to a lot of people, but we're not curing cancer out here. Like we got to have some kind of perspective on this. Like in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter what sports do. But it it what's cool about it is that it means a lot to a lot of different people and that it reflects society. So it helps us learn lessons that we can take into aspects that actually matter in our lives, like our work, like our culture, like the relationships we have with people. We can actually learn things from sports that help us better understand society at large. But also we're not curing cancer. Sports are cool because there's this whole community and tribal thing, but also let's make our sports better and let's make our lives better because of watching sports and take it into things that actually matter. That's my cynical version of the same thing you're saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just entertainment, right? Like, I mean, we're we're talking about something that is only there for people to watch it and react to it. Right. And we're not the ones reacting to it anymore. And that's kind of like, we're defeating the whole purpose of why it's even here. But at the same time, when you think, when you step back and think about it, you're like, makes a lot of sense you know like it, this is i mean all this is is you could think of it as a tv show without acting these are real people doing real things that's that's really the main difference and i, I think that's a big reason why i like it so much because it doesn't feel fake if i mean it's obviously real there's obvious emotions and you can obviously see people like throw, putting their hearts out on the field to play and entertain people while also you know you, you get to see the the idea that being so random you know the Bengals. I don't think a lot of people expect the Bengals to be three and one Bengals are three and one. Now, you know, in a TV show, you can always see see something coming in the future. It's like foreshadowing is really obvious. You know, what's going to happen sports. You don't. And I I said it once already, but I'll I'll say it again. I mean, it's just, it's so unique compared to everything else in the aspect of it's just so random. And I love everything about that because I just like, I don't know. I just like the the idea of things being random. Now you you get the, you get players who are obviously going to have great games, like I said, but I mean, you know, you never know when a team's gonna pull off up an upset. So you don't know when the Jets are gonna beat the Titans. It's just really cool to <laughs> think and watch those games.
0: Ah, oh, you had to do them like that. You had to do the Jets like that. I, I
1: watched the entire game, and I honestly, I, I poured. I was more emotional in that game than I was the Bengals Jaguars game.
0: I, Why? I was
1: I was really rooting for Zach Wilson. Was really rooting for Zach Wilson. I mean, once you gotta think about it. Once, you, once you start scouting players and stuff, you kind of become attached to these players in some way, right? And oh Wilson yeah, no, I'm that way with Justin
0: me. Fields. I think we're both that way. Where I find myself being yeah. anti Mac Jones sometimes because we were both so yeah. high on Justin Fields.
1: Exactly. I'm exactly, Yeah, I'm exact same same way with Justin Fields, and I'm the same way with Mac Jones to an extent too. I had Fields graded higher uh, than Zach Wilson, but. I mean, you still have those occasional people on Instagram saying, like, why do they draft Zach he's the bum? And you're like, no, he's not a bum. It's the Jets. Like, you got to understand that. And to see him go out and prove everyone wrong, that made me happy. It made me excited because he deserved it because he was a great prospect. He deserved being ranked high. And also, it reinforces my grade because, keep in mind, you know, he was my QB3, but he was still a top 10 prospect in my class. So, I mean, I was very, very high on him.
0: You know, respect to you that you're choosing to invest your emotions in Zach Wilson, which is gonna let you down a lot, at least over the next two years. Like it's gonna be growing oh, pains no, no doubt. for sure. No doubt. And I chose to invest my emotions it did, it in Donald.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I did it already did with Sam Darnold, and so I'm expecting it to be the exact same way, but I would love for, for Zach Wilson to prove everyone wrong and do great. He was fantastic in that game, though. Just great. And there's also a lot of guys there I like in general. Like uh, Bryce Hall, the cornerback. they're really the best cornerback on the team. He's a guy that I love during the draft. I wanted the Bengals to get. They end up scooping him up. Michael Carter, the running back, I like a lot as well. He was probably my favorite running back in the draft this year, uh, not talent-wise, but when it came to style and how he played, I loved watching him play on film. That North Carolina team in general, I talked about it multiple times on this podcast, just loved everything about them. And he was probably – him and Daz Newsome were my two favorites, and ironically, probably the two guys that talked about the least on my offense – They'll end up being drafted, but we're still super fun to watch. Um, I really like Michael Carter. Denzel Mims is another guy that I really want to see get more playing time. You know how high I Denzel Mims start the draft process as well. I wanted to be a Bengals so bad. We ended up with T. Higgins. I'm not complaining, but still love Mims. There's just a lot of guys in the Jets have in general that I just really like. Plus, they already have Carl Lawson, of course, out for the season, but I still support him. I just like the Jets team in general, and I want to see them do better. And so I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him. And now I find myself rooting against – The Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, just because of everything going on there and the fact that Trevor Lawrence said F you to the fans uh, during the Bengals game. Now I just hate Trevor Lawrence. So, hey. Oh, no.
0: No. How can you hate Sunshine? No. I I get you can hate Urban Meyer. That's easy. But how can you hate Sunshine?
1: Well, I mean, he just – he said F out of here to the fans. As a Bengals fan, he's disrespecting us, all right? And we turned around and kicked his butt in the second half. So he deserved it. Uh, But maybe if he – Maybe if he sends an apology to me, my DMs, I might forgive him. But, you know, I'm just, you know, you got to find your antagonist. You got to find your protagonist. And to me, Trevor Lawrence is an antagonist. I think Zach Wilson and Joseph Fields are my protagonists.
0: What a shitty antagonist to pick. Like, the dude's already 0-4.
1: Yeah. The Jaguars have yeah. lost 19 in a
0: row. They're already dead.
1: <laughs> well, you, you know what? I'm struggling with finding antagon- right now because you know I, I would hate Lamar Jackson being a, a, a former Louisville Cardinal and about to a Baltimore Raven, but I would be lying if he said he's not one of not the most entertaining player to watch in football. You just watch him and it's just so fun. So I really don't hate him. So to me, the biggest antagonists that I we have right now are probably Big Ben, who is obviously washed. Baker, yeah, but Mayfield. that's no fun
0: anymore. It was fun last year to make fun of Big Ben. This year it's just sad because right. <laughs> last year, last year we knew he. Everyone was saying no, he still got it in him. Now everyone knows he's washed, and it's just sad to watch him fall over now. Exactly.
1: Even I can't yeah, no, take
0: I, a victory lap on that one, even though I was calling him Jimmy Garothesberger for the last twelve months.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's what, that's what, the what point I was making. You just don't have a lot of fun villains anymore. It's it's for me, it's Big Ben. Baker Mayfield, who's been kind of bad, even though the, the Browns are good. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence right now are like the three main ones. I, I hate Jalen Ramsey, too, just because of that fight in 2016 with him and A.J. Green. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, like, there's just a very few the players that I actually hate. I, I think now that I've started scouting people, it's hard, it's hard for me to hate players anymore. But Trevor Lawrence is the guy that was like, oh, okay, well, this guy's good, obviously. Uh, I watched him dominate in college. Now to see him kind of suck and the Bengals beat him, I'm like, hey – you, you, you know, you deserved it because Joe Burrow is better than you.
0: <laughs> I will say college football makes it easier to hate people. College football makes it very easy to hate people. Like yeah. every week we have a memes of the weekend podcast and an entire segment we do is just how did the Pac-12 and ACC fuck things up this week? That's just an entire <laughs> segment we do now. <laughs>
1: You know what? It's, uh, it's a great segment, and that also reminds me. Justin Herbert is another guy that I think of a villain now, just because of his rivalry with Burrow. Even though it's never really been a rivalry much, because never, they never actually play against each other. Uh, I, I want to see him prove everyone wrong and, and show that Burrow is better than Herbert. And, but no, but that, Herbert's I, I so much fun, there.
0: though. He's so good at football, and he completes a bunch of passes. Even though he's averaging like eight, he's averaging less yards per completion than Teddy Bridgewater this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, maybe he's fun, but you know, even you know, Bri- okay, I don't know if you watch golf at all. This might be completely. Oh, no, yeah, topic. I know Bryson DeChambeau yeah. is fun. Do I like him? No, <laughs> you know, yeah, but like, he's, he's literally jerk. an
0: antagonist, he plays into being an antagonist, though.
1: Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I like to think of Justin Herbert kind of being the same in my eyes, too, even though he's not really an antagonist. I kind of pretend he is. <laughs> I kind of see him as a like Bryson Dichambeau, even though he's like a complete jerk. I respect yeah. the dude, of course. But, no, yeah, you know, I'm, I go that games. way too with
0: with people who are generally disliked. Like, I mean, Kyrie Irving's doing dangerous stuff now, but in general, love me some Kyrie Irving, love me some Russell Westbrook, love me some James Harden, love me some Kevin Durant. Those are people who are generally hated. Love me, love Draymond Green. Like, yeah. I, I'm the contrarian. I love Odell Beckham. Like, I'm the contrarian to people that. Are, are the prototypical antagonists of the NFL. I do hate Antonio Brown because he blocked us a couple of years ago on Instagram.
1: <laughs> you know what? Well, I mean, to honestly, all those guys you listed, I probably, I think I like too. especially the NBA. I, I think I tend to take the exact same route. Like I'm a KD fan over LeBron fan, especially after LeBron left Miami. Cause my heart hurts still from that. Um, Dwayne Wade's uh, definitely a, a, uh-huh. a hero and I, he's my favorite player, but I, I enjoy the guys that are really just like not really cared about, you know. And you kind of just pick them up and you're like, hey, hey, you know, I like you and I want to argue people and support you because it just it's just fun. Like I love KD. Like you said, I love James Harden. Uh guys like that, I I, I respect a lot. But um but yeah, yeah, I I just think it's it's really cool just they kind of take the contrarian way in certain aspects. But for me as a Bengals fan, it's just for me. I just think of like, hey, it's it's who's against the Bengals in a way, right? And to me, Big Ben's against the Bengals. Baker Mayfield's against the Bengals and taking shots at us. You know, everyone's claiming Justin Herbert's better than Joe Burrow. I think of Justin Herbert being against the Bengals. I don't like him anymore. Trevor Lawrence obviously against the Bengals now. I don't like him anymore. It just kind of feels like if you're not with us, you're against us, kind of in a way. And, but you're know, the Bengals. Sure.
0: Like, what are you talking about? You're the Bengals, though. What do you mean if you're not with us here you against know what? us? The no dramatic. one's against the Bengals.
1: <laughs> fair, fair. But I definitely think at the same time, um, it's it's funny to think that way. You know? It makes yeah. No, I get for me. it. Yeah, I get it. But again, I, I'm just, I'm able to turn all that off and about talking in general. Like, I'm able to I'm able to not hate Baker Mayfield in the podcast. I think that's that's a good thing about like trying to like desensitize yourself and like your emotions whenever you actually start talking about analytics because bias is a big problem in today's media, right? Like you obviously see bias all the time between, you know, favorite teams and everything like that and be able to try to be unbiased and almost, I, I almost find myself being almost biased against my team a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's like thinking like, well, if I think they're going to go nine and eight, I'm going to put them at seven and 10, even though they're probably better than seven, and 10, you know? Um, you know, that, that does happen to me occasionally, but I think I've gotten to the point where I find that, found a good like middle ground there where I'm able to just completely just look at it from an average fan point of view.
0: I just I, I got sidetracked a little bit there because I uh, I saw that Josh Allen has a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial now on national television because the Dodgers just pulled Max Scherzer and it went to a commercial break. And I feel like Josh Allen is not famous enough where, you know, that that's Josh Allen. Like it kind of needs to be like that Lowe's commercial where they literally had to put Christian McCaffrey NFL running back whenever he was in it. Like, I feel like you have to put Josh Allen NFL quarterback whenever he pops up on the screen. Cause I don't think he's recognizable enough to get a national
1: advertisement campaign. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Because. I think they're the same thing for, like, you, you, you. most fans would know, like, a Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, a Lamar Jackson, a, uh, you know, even a Baker Mayfield now, Mahomes, guys like yeah. that. But, but even you know, those Josh progressive Donovan,
0: commercials, they say at home with Baker Mayfield. They make very clear that this is Baker Mayfield in this commercial. Uh, also, Jedrick Wills is in some of those commercials. I don't think anyone knows that that guy in the commercials is actually a Browns offensive lineman.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh you know, I think it is good to uh you know, Josh Allen's got just a super standard looking, I think. Like he doesn't have a unique look about him, you know. Trevor Lawrence has his hair, Mahomes has his kind of own look, Baker Mayfield has his own look in a way. Uh plus those guys those are guys that have been on TV since college as well. Josh Allen was kind of a small school quarterback who was a you know a good draft pick by you know, you know, by all means, but at the same time he wasn't like a uh, a game changer up until last year pretty much and, and that's when he started to make his name known so you know there's still time where we have to wait and actually I guess um, you know get used to actually seeing his face in, in football games before we can actually say uh, uh, give, give Josh out on a Super Bowl and then yes I think to probably you know put him in a, in a commercial without uh, his name being in it you know
0: yeah. Or like at least with Baker, he was super good in college, too. So like we already had that recognizability or he was at least polarizing. By the way, whoever at Head and Shoulders who who's doing those awesome commercials with Troy Polamalu and Patrick Mahomes, whoever has not signed Trevor Lawrence yet is really missing out on an opportunity there. You need to put Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence in a hair off in a commercial <laughs> for Head and Shoulders. You need to
1: make that. Yes. Happen. Or 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 Trevor Lawrence and Troy Paul and Malu because that's also a very entertaining Yeah. Uh, just put them all together.
0: Kind of like that Papa yeah. John's commercial that used to have JJ Watt for no reason in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. That's perfect. I, I love I, actually I, I always find myself paying so much more attention to NFL commercials. It's kind of funny how that works. Like it's just something that like interests you just engage you a lot more. Like I know a lot of those commercials so well now, Just like Super Bowl commercials, just some like being so engaged and watching the TV and just seeing all those players. I think it just makes you feel like uh, more entertained when it comes to, uh, when when it comes to things like that. I don't know why it's, that's the case.
0: By the way, did you see the commercial with Nick Mangold? Who's getting like this, the old center for the jets is getting like hard seltzer commercials. I thought that was the funniest thing ever that Nick Mangold is in a a national ad campaign. Um, It's just
1: the most random people that are like that too. Yeah, you, You find guys that you Like, they they show him to be, like, some, like, big guy, and you're like, who the heck is that? And they're like, oh, it's Nick Mangold. It's like – Who's that? You know? Yeah, it's like, like
0: the um it's like the old commercial the, the Geico Caveman where they're like, You're Brian Arakpo, all pro linebacker.
1: <laughs> exactly. You're like, okay, like it's so random. But,
0: yeah. It's like, uh, okay, I, I know... Brian Arakpo, that most people probably don't know who you are because you made a couple Pro Bowls with Washington and the Titans.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that so much because it's so shrewd. It's like, wow. Brian Reich was a name I've heard forever either. I've completely forgotten about it, But yeah, I was. It, it really is funny how it's just the most random guys are like that. It, it's, it's so unique and it is funny. Like one day I swear when it's like a Carlos Hyde commercial and you're like, wow, why is he in a commercial?
0: Well, <laughs> like, and the NFL also has the thing where they just retread a bunch of white guys for their commercials, like Josh Allen and like Nick Mangold. So all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, guess who's also in a hard seltzer commercial? It's Julian Edelman apparently has a national ad campaign for hard seltzer. it's like, okay, these are just weird, obscure players now, but I guess we're giving Julian Edelman a a national ad campaign too.
1: I I think, I think my favorite one is just seeing Shaq's face on literally every single piece of merchandise I've ever seen in my life. Like he's everywhere. I think it is hilarious. Yeah, but, the Papa uh,
0: John's one is amazing because they're like, we're going to be Peyton Manning and JJ Watt and white conservative values. And then we're going to have that controversy and we're pivoting to Shaq. Shaq's going to, we're going to have a shakaroni pizza. That's what we're going to do now.
1: <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
0: Yeah. You know what? Uh, Pivot. You know what? Controversy, shakaroni. That's how we solve our controversies with shakaroni. <laughs> let get
1: Shaq. Just get Shaq. It's
0: Shaq on everything is great. Peyton Manning's kind of that too. Has there been someone since Peyton Manning who just slaps their face on everything? It's like Tom Brady does a bunch of them, but I don't think of it the same way. I think of Peyton Manning.
1: Um, that's a good question. Is it JJ? I, mean, I Watt? feel like is it's kind yeah, of JJ I can, Watt. I can see why I could see. um Maybe. Uh, You know, LeBron now kind of is in that, I think, category of like, you know, you just see his face and you already know, like, hey, it's LeBron. So that's that's pretty cool. But yeah, I think definitely Shaq and Peyton are like the main two because they're they're literally like if they were to have a logo, it'd be their face. (laughs) I think it's funny.
0: Tony Romo had it for a while, too, but he was never Peyton Manning. Tony Romo had a couple of them. Dak had a couple commercials for a little bit there. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone like, I guess Tom Brady. Oh, Gronk is a good one. Now Gronk gets a bunch of commercials now, which is weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gronk's definitely a good one. I I totally agree with that. He's also such a unique personality. Uh, Yeah. Gronk in the T-Mobile
0: commercials. I think he has USAA now, which is a weird choice by them, but Gronk's in those commercials. Uh, (laughs) You
1: know, (laughs) I definitely like the idea of Gronk just being a, uh, a, what is it? What is he it even for? Is like in, uh, military insurance or something like that?
0: Yeah, he's selling <laughs> military insurance and Dunkin' Donuts. Like, that's Rob <laughs> Gronkowski's layered acting ability.
1: But he's also kind of like a superstar, too. Like, the moment he walked away from sports, he was a WWE superstar. He's going to be in a lot of like movies and stuff as well. Like, he's just, oh God. He, going to be a guy. We're going
0: to give Gronk movies. We're going to like Gronk do see, movies.
1: Well, not like a star, but I can see him being like a, like a, like a, Guest star, you know what I mean? Like I'm just a guy that's out there. You have <laughs> him being like, oh, John
0: Cena. You have him being yeah. like on you the know movie what? poster as a superhero dressed up like a shark.
1: That would be entertaining. I would pay money to see Gronk in that role. He is can hilarious. he act? I don't even know if Gronk can act. Probably not. not. <laughs> probably probably not. But you know what? It's still fun to see him try. <laughs>
0: Oh good lord, this is going to be so weird. I was okay. Let's pivot here because I've got a couple things I still want to do. You know how we played that game with uh, quarterback uh, interception or deep ball rates and uh, interception rates are like lucky unlucky a couple times now. I've got another one of these games if you're interested. So we have through four games. Give me yes, the ones where you end up picking every team. This one should go a little faster because I don't think this one's going to be totally impossible. So this is. Team DVOA rankings through four weeks. DVOA is basically a stat that picks up team defense numbers, but accounts for situation and the team that they're playing against. So it like it does a bunch of stats with numbers that are very confusing. But basically, the point is that it accounts for situation and it accounts for the quality of the team that the defense or offense is playing. So want to see if you can guess... First on offense, who are the top five ranked offenses by DVOA in the NFL, according to footballoutsiders.com? Mm-hmm. Through four weeks into the NFL season, who are the top five ranked teams in DVOA?
1: Okay, so this is just off of the DVOA, correct? Like, this is defense?
0: Yes, this is just total DVOA on offense, so... Okay. Top five offenses in the NFL.
1: Okay, uh, I'm just going to go to some of the obvious ones uh, in my head, at least. It could be wrong. Kansas City. Kansas City
0: is not in the top five.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, Buffalo.
0: Buffalo is number one.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, Baltimore.
0: Baltimore is number six, so they are not on here. Oh. Kansas City's eight, okay. by the way, so they're just slightly outside
1: got you um i honestly maybe las vegas no las
0: vegas Vegas is uh las vegas is like 21st las vegas is way down right
1: now they lead the league in passing yards right now so i thought like maybe you know there's a chance the DVOA Uh, doesn't care about
0: your passing yards or your touchdowns
1: or anything like that No, no i I, I yeah. know, I know, but they also play against some tough opponents and did really well in offense, so I just thought, like, hey, maybe there's a chance that, you know, they, they would be there. Because I think Stats certainly do still play a, a factor in that, you know? Um, yeah. What about... Um, oh, I had a team in my head. I just forgot. Um, that's going to kill me. Oh, um, uh, the Rams.
0: Rams are five. Okay. Uh,
1: so, yeah, you got Seattle? one in five
0: so far. What? Seattle? Seattle is ten. 11. 10. Sorry, they're 11. Oh.
1: Um, okay, I got one in five. What about uh, Tampa?
0: Tampa is eight. No, nine. Eight. Kansas City's eight. Tampa's nine. By the way, we've gone through it so far. Ten, Cincinnati. Okay. So uh, yeah, for y'all. Yeah,
1: Cincinnati would be in the top five, so yeah. <laughs> um, what about Cleveland?
0: Cleveland is number four.
1: Okay. They got five, four, and one. At least in the top half, I'm not getting any like terrible ones. Um, um, San Francisco.
0: San Francisco is fourteen.
1: Okay. Yeah. Was, what about Arizona? I don't know why I didn't say Arizona yet.
0: Yep. Arizona's number three.
1: Yep. Uh, and okay, it's gotta be number two. Trying to me like a high-powered offense right now. Uh I'm I'm just thinking in my head like I'm eliminating all rookie quarterbacks cuz they're not going to have a high DVOA right now. They've been terrible. Um
0: Dallas? Yep, you nailed it. Okay. Dallas wow. Cowboys.
1: I'm impressed. I'm impressed with myself honestly, but yeah, I knew they played some harder tough tougher opponents, so it makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah. Dallas. Dallas has put up, I think, except for the Chargers game, I think they've put up 30 points in every game so far this year. I think they've put up 40 in yeah. two of them, but I think, except for and the Chargers game, I think they put up 30 in every game.
1: And they play, yeah, especially playing really raw against this former Super Bowl champions. It's kind of what like led me to kind of you know believe that. But yeah, um, yeah. After yeah, picking I, the I'm former Super Bowl champions, that's a lot better than what historically I've done in these games. <laughs> So,
0: well, yeah, but this one, you kind of know who's bad though. Like there, you could eliminate about half the team. So you, other than the Raiders, you didn't guess anyone who wasn't in the top half. So you kind of had an idea. So, yeah, by the way, some other fun ones here before we go to the bottom seven, you didn't guess was new Orleans, which is interesting.
1: Insane green Bay game. Probably just carried them
0: (laughs) probably a little bit. Uh, Also the, what was, what was the one they won? two weeks ago who did they beat uh is it indianapolis i don't think so i don't think they play indy um i forgot who i forgot who they beat in the second game of the year but they did pretty well in that game too um then you had further down the list carolina at 12 chargers at 13 Denver 15, Minnesota 16. And surprising to me, the Packers were actually 17. I thought they would have been higher, but I think the Saints game is dragging them down a bit.
1: Yeah, that was uh and also they, they've been um they haven't really had like a tough opponents either lately, ha- either, have they? Like I haven't really like noticed them. Uh, Their game, the game that the Saints won was against the Patriots, by the way. Sorry, that was week three. That's right.
0: Forgot about that. They messed up Mac Jones real good. Can't figure out if the Saints defense is good or bad. I, I I have no idea. Like one week they look like a top five defense. The next week they look terrible. I can't figure out if their defense is good or not. No. Uh, do you want to guess the bottom five teams here? Houston? Well, well, there you go. Houston is five fifth worst. I messed that up there. Uh, do you want to guess the bottom four teams then at this point in our football
1: outsiders list? Uh, you know, let's see, uh, the jets.
0: Yep. Jets are third worst.
1: Yeah. It's, that's pretty, uh, given, uh, Jacksonville second worst Detroit fourth worst.
0: See if he can get it perfect here.
1: Oh uh, pressure's on. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Need some time to think about this. Hold on. Um. Oh gosh, why am I blanking on this? Okay, yeah, Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, New York. Who else is terrible offensively? Just like oh, um, the Bears.
0: Ah, the Bears are eighth worst, so oh, not
1: quite. I was so confident. Um,
0: it's good, good guess, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh's bad. I don't know if they're bottom five bad. Um, well, this would be
0: the worst, because worst is the only one left. This would be 32 oh. out of
1: 32. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wow, oh, wow, okay. I didn't, I'm shocked by that, actually. Um there's someone I'm forgetting and just not thinking about right now. I don't know why I'm forgetting. Uh,
0: it is a little bit surprising. I will say that. It's, a, it's not like when you hear it, it'll make sense, but it is a little bit surprising. Is it
1: the Dolphins?
0: Dolphins are seventh worst.
1: Okay. Um, is it the Colts?
0: Colts are ninth worst. So you're getting everyone except the team that it actually is.
1: Yeah.
0: um, hmm. You actually didn't get six. Sixth is still on the board here. And then there's like a few teams that are like 17 through 20 that you haven't guessed yet.
1: I refuse to believe it's the Falcons.
0: It is the Falcons.
1: Is it really?
0: It is the Falcons. Oh, right. They have the worst is- offense in the NFL.
1: That okay, so whenever I was thinking originally, I was like, Who are the worst five teams in the NFL right now? Because that's probably direct, like, reason why is their terrible offense. And I I literally circled on all those teams and were like, The Falcons don't have the bad offense, though. I doubt the bottom five. So it's bad,
0: it's really bad for the Falcons. Calvin Ridley and uh, Kyle Pitts, I think, are both in the 30s in their position in fantasy football. Like, Calvin Ridley had the one touchdown to start the season, he's just done nothing since.
1: Yeah, well, I have Calvin Ridley in fantasy, so that's why I was, like, shocked because I actually thought Calvin Ridley was pretty solid lately. Um, he puts up, like, 12-plus points each week, which is, like, not great, but it's mean, something. Yeah, uh, it's I know something. Pitts has been bad, but also, I was thinking Cordero Patterson has been insane this year. He has been crazy good uh, yeah. and, and, uh, in fantasy and in general. I mean, he's been fantastic, and so I thought, like, maybe they'd be okay if he if he was being successful, but maybe not. That's That is wild to me. I mean, I mean, I guess I can see where you're coming from, but talent-wise, they're they should not be able to fight offense. That's just inexcusable.
0: Well, I'm thinking about now. So they scored six against the Eagles, twenty something against the Bucks. They scored. You would 30... think that, that would
1: skew it, though. Twenty something yeah. against the Bucks is pretty solid.
0: I'm sort of. I mean, the Bucks have the best rush defense and the worst pass defense in the NFL, which kind of averages out okay. to like 18th defense. But still, it's yeah. kind of helps, I guess. And then. 17 against the Giants and 30 against Washington.
1: You think that you think 30 against Washington be pretty good too since they have a good defense. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I remember them putting up pretty good points against Washington and Tampa. So I thought, you know, maybe, but uh, at the same time, I mean, I guess I got them right. They were were my next guest because I didn't think anyone's being worse. I really thought it was the Bears. I'm shocked it wasn't, because the Bears have been terrible on offense, especially in that game against uh, the Browns, where they did they had, what, negative two net yards in passing?
0: Yeah, I think the two wins have helped them a little bit. The, the Lions one they did... before already so the Bengals are number five we cheated on that a little bit but who do you think are the top four defenses in the nfl so far this year
1: i would say the bills are definitely one they've been fantastic what the bills yes they've been fantastic. sorry i
0: thought i thought that's what you said so buffalo is number one i think part of that is okay. that they've played bad opponents but they've had two shutouts this year so yeah. buffalo's They're way ahead in the first
1: place yeah. I'm glad I got so, that one.
0: Um Denver. Denver is not on here. Denver is seventh.
1: Interesting. Um what about am I lagging for you? I'm sorry, I mean like stop.
0: I think it's okay. Let's see. Okay. Oh, now you're muted, so I don't know about that.
1: Sorry, uh, I, I was uh, you. You were lagging whenever you were speaking, so I was a little confused. I didn't know if that was just an issue with the internet or something.
0: No, it should be okay.
1: Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we'll you're uh, you're all good. All so right, got we Bills. got Buffalo, Bills, Bengals, not Denver. Um, what about? Let's see
0: the browns browns are number three
1: yep uh what about don't think the ravens would be on there i'm not going to guess the ravens i was just thinking in my head um hmm. los angeles the rams
0: Rams are actually quite low. The Rams are uh, 16 right really? now. Yikes! Okay. Yeah, so I was surprised. The, the Rams then? aren't
1: very good. So what are the Ravens then?
0: Ravens are 12.
1: 12. Oh, okay. Um, there might be some teams that are like kind of like surprising. I think because I didn't expect the Bengals to be top five in DVOA, even though they've been great so far. Um, what about? Uh... Hmm. I was going to say Pittsburgh, but I don't think they did because they played with the Bengals' offense. Um... Well, this is tough.
0: Yeah, defense is a lot harder to do than offense because offense, we're, we, we can kind of tell when someone's doing really well.
1: Right, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like teams that are just like dominated on offense. We're about like Minnesota on there, maybe.
0: Minnesota
1: is fourteen. Golly, that's tough. Um, I, yeah, the Green Bay's not on there. I can guarantee that. Um, dang. Is the bears on there
0: bears are closer bears are eight yeah but not in the top five
1: okay i guess we're getting somewhere um i'm trying to eliminate teams in my head uh the cowboys
0: cowboys are 10 but oh, i think the cowboys i don't know if they're good or not i think the cowboys kind of like they've forced a lot of turnovers and that turnovers. masks a exactly. lot of issues on defense
1: yeah, that is, that is probably true, but Diggs has has five already, five and four a game, which is outstanding. So I just thought maybe that would, that would help them. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. I think that's a good um,
0: guess. They're still top 10, which if you would have said the Cowboys would have a top 10 defense at the start of the season, I would have said you were insane.
1: Yeah, I think we all would have. It, it is wild to imagine. Uh, What about Arizona? Maybe?
0: Arizona is six. So you've got oh, 6, seven, eight, 10, 12, 13, 14, 14. without getting 1 in, or 2 and 4.
1: That is that is terrible.
0: Um, it means you're on the right track, though. Yeah, I guess. Uh,
1: Carolina. Carolina is number 4. Okay, all right, we're getting there. I'm glad I guessed that one. So I just just remembered that how well they've been playing. Um,
0: I think they were number one going into this week.
1: Really over the bills.
0: I I may be wrong, but I thought I heard on the Cowboys broadcast, they were the number one defense. Obviously they're not using DVOA on the broadcast, but they said the Panthers had the number one defense.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. They've been good. Um, So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I already said the Browns didn't I? Yeah, Browns bit, are
0: yeah. number three.
1: Okay. Uh, hmm, number two. It cannot. Is it Las, did I see Las Vegas? I think I already said Las Vegas. didn't
0: Uh Las Vegas is 15. By the way, I just okay. looked over here. It has the previous week's rankings. Carolina was indeed number one last week in wow. DVOA, ahead of Buffalo and the team that's now number two. Interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah, they've been great. So um, I guess I deserve credit for that. Um, man. Uh, is it? No way. Is it the Patriots?
0: Patriots are 11. So yeah. you've gotten everything except 2, 9, 13, <laughs> and the bottom half.
1: I'm eliminating teams in my head. So we already got pretty much the entire AFC North done it's not, I already guessed Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. 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 It's not um, Pittsburgh. Yeah. So that's done. AFC East, it's not the Dolphins this year. It's not the Patriots. It's not the Jets. It's not, all right, we already got the Bills. Um, AFC South, it's not the Texans, not the Jaguars.
0: I don't think there's really been anything good about the AFC South.
1: The AFC South has just
0: been remarkably bad.
1: We can just not cross them out of the list completely. Uh, The West, we had to get the Broncos. Oh, what about the Chargers?
0: Chargers are number nine. So now you've got the top Top half all done, except for two (laughs) and 13.
1: Of course I did. That makes so much sense. Um, (laughs)
0: It's just one team that's stumping you.
1: It's got to be an NFC team. Um, it is an NFC team, I'll help you out there. Yeah, uh, not the Cowboys, not the football team. I, I would be shocked if it's the Giants. I don't think it's the Eagles either. I, I could see it, maybe I don't know. There's not a lot of teams left. I could see them.
0: the Eagles that just gave maybe up 42 team. points uh, to the Chiefs. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's the Chiefs, right? So like, I don't know. Like, um, I'm just trying. I mean, like, I don't. I really don't know how much teams left. Um, is it the Saints?
0: It is. Yes, the Saints are the number wow. two defense in the NFL okay, that, according
1: that, to DVOA. Those three points that like I Green Bay must have helped a lot.
0: Yeah, probably a good amount. I mean, what who they? I mean, they only allowed what six against the Patriots. So, I think it's the other two games that are weird. Like, they gave That's up 26 true. to Carolina and forgot how many they gave up last week. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. anymore. So,
1: I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, the, the three and six were, were good for sure. Yeah,
0: you know, it turned out okay. All right. And last but not least, my favorite one the bottom five defenses in the
1: NFL. All right. Uh, Jaguars.
0: Third worst.
1: uh jets nope jets
0: are not in the bottom
1: wow okay um huh that surprises me what about the titans
0: titans are seventh worst so not quite
1: okay um I wonder how many how many of these are going to shock me. I don't know how many. For anyone who's still um, keeping
0: track at home, it's one one in the Cardinals Dodgers game right now in the sixth inning. So nothing has happened since the turner since the Turner home run, and Turner's about to bat again. So if you're still keeping track at home, that's what's
1: going on. <laughs> uh, what about I'm doing all this thing in my head again? Where I'm leading all the teams. What about the Dolphins?
0: Dolphins were number 13, the last one in the top half you didn't get. Gotcha. So it's still been okay for the Dolphins this year, even though they gave up 35 to the Bills. It hasn't been That's totally cool. awful since.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Um <sighs> uh, if... well, The Chiefs have been bad. What the Chiefs? They are
0: dead freaking
1: last. Chiefs yeah. are
0: 32 out of 32 in defense this year.
1: You know what? That doesn't surprise me at all, too. They get up 30 to the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that doesn't
0: help. So bad. It's worse than the year that they lost in the NFC cha- or the AFC championship to the Patriots. I think they were 29 that year. So this is even worse than that year when the Mahomes didn't make a Super Bowl because his defense was horrible.
1: Jeez, that is, that is terrible. It's actually spreading. They're still two and two though. With that that's that's actually impressive. Well, they should um, be three
0: and one if Alaire doesn't fumble the ball in week two.
1: That's very true. Very true. Yep. Um. About. Hmm, did I say the Lions?
0: You did not. And the Lions are second worst.
1: Yep. Okay. So
0: you've got one, two, and three now down.
1: Okay. It's four and five the vikings
0: vikings are 15
1: okay all right um but the eagle artists of the eagles did not yeah they said the eagles
0: for the, uh, the top
1: teams <laughs> yeah but no uh, it's, not the, it's yeah. not the eagles it's not the eagles um let's think let's see Uh, the falcons in the bottom in defense as well yep they are
0: fourth worst this was the one that
1: i thought you would guess last
0: the last one left is the one i thought you would not get for a while so we're down to one left
1: time to buckle in this is gonna be a tough one
0: uh
1: what about tampa
0: Tampa is, where is Tampa? Tampa's like 22nd, I think. They're kind of middle, bottom middle. I think it's just because their pass defense is so bad.
1: Uh, Green Bay?
0: Green Bay is ninth worst, but not quite the fifth team.
1: Okay. Um, hmm. Is it Pittsburgh?
0: pittsburgh is 10th worst but not quite pittsburgh that bad
1: i don't even that would that would be one that would shock me if that was the case that's why it said you said that you wouldn't expect me to get it um
0: i just thought it would be less obvious than the other four i thought the other four were easier yeah i got you
1: um I've eliminated so many in my head, I've almost forgotten what other teams are available.
0: There's really about um, four or five that you haven't guessed on either side, either top or bottom. It's really about right. four or five or six left.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um,
0: Actually, I can give you the six that you haven't guessed yet if you'd like.
1: Yeah, if you want.
0: So the, the six that are left are... Uh, again, this is by... Should I do alphabetical order? Let's see. Uh, yes. should, should do something that makes it kind of inconspicuous. So uh, let's go alphabetically here, which is just buying myself time to organize them in alphabetical order. So we have Indianapolis, New York, New York, uh, San Francisco. I see the Jets. Oh, yeah, I guess it would be only the Giants. You did say the Jets already. It's not the Jets. So uh, Indianapolis, yeah. New York, San Francisco, Seattle, Washington.
1: Ooh, okay. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's Washington. Is it Seattle?
0: It is not Seattle.
1: Is it the Giants? The Giants are going to be my next, next guess before. Giants are
0: sixth worst. So they just missed the list. Giants are sixth worst. So that leaves you now with Indy, San Francisco, and Washington.
1: It's kind of surprising that all those three teams are there. Um, I guess I'll say Indy.
0: It is not Indianapolis. So that leaves you with just San Francisco and Washington. Wow.
1: Has Washington's defense been that bad? Uh, these are both defenses I expected to be better. I, I want to say San Francisco.
0: It is the Washington football team. Wow. His fifth is worst. Terrible. Washington was one. You're like, it can't possibly be Washington, right? Washington was supposed to have the number two defense in the league this year. Like they were people's dark horses to be the best defense. They can't possibly be fifth worst right now.
1: That's just bad coaching or something. That is terrible. But that also combined with the fact that they're actually like beating teams, Taylor Heineke. Like you would think that'd be carried by someone. I mean, one, the one of them, to
0: be fair, one of them was just the Falcons chaos game. The Falcons chaos game is going to happen um, every yeah. so often. We're both teams scoring the thirties. We're seeing hail Marys. It's it's going to happen sometimes.
1: Yeah. The Falcons are the DVOA kill- killers. <laughs> you just, yeah. You come here to ruin your DVOA and that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And even when you hold them to six points, like the Eagles, you don't get any credit for it.
1: Exactly. Like they're, they're just here to ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. I like that.
0: And ruin your 10 o'clock window during red zone because it's just so much Falcons chaos game going on during that time when there's actual good games coming down to the
1: end. Another uh, another one where I basically name every single team or player to get it right.
0: This one's a little cheap, though, because you you had to do the top and then the bottom. It's not like the one where you messed up. I would named 20. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I name on like twenty total, I guess. So.
0: But you did name every single team before filling out the bottom ten because these stats are so random. Like, how would anyone know exactly what it would be? Oh no, Justin Turner. Okay, no, he didn't hit it out. Oh, that scared me for a second because everyone, <laughs> I, I'm watching on silent, and everyone like stood up, but he only hit it like just in front of the warning track. So that everyone scared me at Dodger Still. Stadium that he was going to do it again.
1: <laughs> He's a monster. I can see it happening here soon again.
0: I hate it so much. But yeah, Falcons chaos game. I missed that in my life. And these are just random stats that I purposely choose because it's so hard to figure out what some of these stats are because they're like team DVOA, highest highest 15 plus yard passing rates and luckiest and unluckiest quarterbacks based on projected interception rate. Like it's fun to play games with these stats.
1: (laughs) It is a lot of fun. I... I enjoy these games a lot because so they are super entertaining and it's something that like I should like think long and hard about. And even when I do that, I still mess up and get them all wrong. So even fun. when
0: I give you the final five options, you still guess everyone except Washington.
1: <laughs> I, you know what? I think most people would too though. Like that is tough. I didn't think Washington would be that bad so far.
0: Absolutely. yeah. You know, I think everyone would mess that up so far without getting Washington. The fact that you got the first four super easily was like very well done on your part. Like it's very hard to nitpick a few of these so well done on your part i commend you for your efforts here
1: yeah thank you i appreciate it but you know what it, i always go through like the the one thing that i think of when i think of like bvoa and this stuff is like like what is a team that is just completely underperforming expectations right now right like, that's the first thing i think of and you know like washington really didn't like scramble through my mind even though they technically i guess had in some aspects played a little bit under to what we were expecting i just thought like with Heineke being the starting quarterback right now, it made sense as to why uh, they would be struggling, right? So that, that was kind of my thought process there when I was thinking about it. But, you know, it's, it's bad, but it's not as bad as me getting to Justin Britt uh, <laughs> who he played for wrong. So I can live with it.
0: That's going to haunt you for years. Years from now, you're going to be haunted by Justin Britt. I heard his name last week, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that name is now just forever etched in infamy or joy for me cuz I got you on a who he play for. I I got to win that game last year by the slimmest of margins, but still I won who he play for.
1: Just wait till we get to NFL draft time. That's going to be fun.
0: Oh yeah, trying to quiz you on random prospects and trying to figure out yeah. if you remember where some of these drafted players went.
1: Yeah, that that would be a blast. I I those are the funnest for me cuz I I you know, I have so many guys I just just random people I just think you talk about all the time. Where I'm just like, oh yeah, that guy, he exists. <laughs>
0: this is like a two hour podcast. So I just checked to see if we missed any breaking news while we were on. And we have a s- interesting story. That's not like tra- like Jalen Smith signing with the Packers type of thing is that, The NFL union looks like it's moving to replace Demoris Smith as their head representative in negotiations, which is interesting because I thought his job was pretty secure after the last um, CBA negotiation, but it looks like they're trying to get rid of Demoris Smith who may or may not have anti-union ties to lawyers.
1: Yeah. Wow. That is is actually pretty surprising, but uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not too like familiar with like the business side of things like that, but, I definitely think that um, I-, I trust in what they're doing. And I hope that it all works out because I'm excited for the future.
0: Yeah. And they've already, it's interesting because that like the NFL feels like they kind of got a bad deal on the last, or sorry, the players feel like they got a bad deal on the last yeah. CBA. And so yeah, I get instance. where they're coming from there. Cause it's new leadership within the union, but I am, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't think that would happen. I thought he was pretty safe in his job, but That may not be the case, apparently. It looks like they're going to move on from him. So, uh, Power to the players. Hell yeah, power to the players. By the way, it's uh, runners on second and first, two outs, sixth inning. Dodgers might have something going here with, I think, A.J. Pollock batting. But while we watch the end of this... Yeah, it is A.J. Pollock. While we finish this up, let's get our boy Blake Jude's picks because... Other than picking the Bengals last week, who won the game but didn't cover the spread, you and I got upset by that one because they didn't cover. You went four and one last week, so yep.
1: well done on your part. I'm I'm steadily improving, and that's all, that's all I need to hear because I'm I'm doing better my pickems as well. So all of it's getting better for me, and so I'm I'm very pleased.
0: <laughs> Congratulations to you! You are now sitting above five hundred on the season. You are eleven and nine. You are in second place now in our take it easy pickem pool. Behind Cam from DSD, who going into the week is 12, 7, and 1. I am 10 and 10. Mine's been funny. I, I've well, gone 2 and 3, 3 and 2, 2 and 3, 3 and 2 so far this year. Like, I've just been straight in what, the middle of the
1: whole way. Huh? What's my record again?
0: Uh, 11 and 9. So you're 11 and 9. Okay. I'm 10 and 10. Walter is 9 and 11. And Cam is 12, 7, and 1. So you're two games back right wow. now of first place.
1: Got to catch up, All right.
0: Yes, game on here. So Rams and Seahawks. Rams are two and a half point favorites at Seattle.
1: Okay. Um, at Seattle is going to be tough. Uh, it kind of proved to me that they were not invincible last week and I, that really surprised me because uh, <laughs> I thought that I thought The Rams had everything going for them. And then they completely just screwed up against the uh, Seahawks, which I was really disappointed in, but um, they do it back to back. The Seahawks team's not bad. Um, I don't know. That's a tough question. Uh, Remember the rule. You can always opt out of games
0: and choose lions or Falcons. Those are our rules.
1: That's just not a fun rule at all. (laughs) Um, I want to take the Rams to cover. I think they can bounce back in this game. I don't see them losing two in a row right now because I think they're legit. Um, the Seahawks can put up numbers against them, but I really, really like the Rams' offense right now. I think they could score a lot of points in this game. And two and a half, I, I think this is like a three or three point win possibly. I think the cover an aspect, um, and, and I'm really tempted to pick yellow. You know what? Give me Seattle. I'm going to take Seattle plus 2.5. I'm going I'm to go with it. I'm going to go with my gut. My gut's telling me Seattle right now. I think this could be a really, really close game.
0: Look at you going with the pivot right there. How about it? That's a, an interesting way to go about this. You're you going with the Seahawks this week. I like it. Uh, next up, we have... Patriots at the Texans Patriots are eight and a half point favorites at Houston.
1: Texans were putrid last week. I mean, that was terrible. Uh, how poor they played. I had the bills defense in fantasy and they dropped me 33 points. Single handedly me to win. So like, thank you, Buffalo bills. Uh, I took the Buffalo bills to cover that week and I actually won it. So did they do it again? New England's pretty, New England, uh, Houston's pretty bad. Um, Davis Mills is not good. They've not shown me in any way, shape, or form that they're going to get better. Uh, eight and a half, I actually think it's pretty generous for the Texans right now. I'll take the Patriots to cover.
0: Ah, feeling the Patriots there. I mean, Davis Mills is the first quarterback to have a zero QBR since Nathan Peterman. Just throwing that out there. Just <laughs> he's terrible. That out
1: there. It's, it is awful how bad he's been the uh, last couple of weeks. He had, he had a, a, an okay game uh, on uh, Thursday um not Thursday night football game but after that it was terrible he has been awful
0: well he's also a third round pick that's set up to fail so that's not a great situation there
1: he was my QB6 actually in the draft so but uh yeah I didn't think he'd ever be a starter so I was (laughs) kind of surprised whenever he was
0: Titans and Jaguars Titans are four-point favorites
1: Mm, That's a tough one again. It's all dependent on Julio and A.J. Brown being healthy. Uh, Jaguars Jaguars truly impressed me um, this week. Um, Reminder, the
0: Falcons play in London this
1: week. Yeah, Uh, that makes it even worse for me. (laughs) Um, I think... Uh, I'm going to take the Titans, but if, if I figure out that the, uh, AJ Brown and Julio Jones are not, uh, healthy in this game, I might switch to the
0: reserve (laughs) the right to switch your pick later.
1: Yes. That's what I'm gonna do because I do not trust this team to, uh, to, um, do much, uh, when it comes to not having Julio or AJ.
0: All right. Next up, we have the Bears at the Raiders, the second Khalil Mack revenge game. We have the Raiders five point favorites at home.
1: I, I yeah, Justin Fields is, I guess, the official starter now, uh, full time. Great to see that. I'm happy for him. Um, deserves it. Uh, this is a tough first game for him to be the official starter for. Uh, Oakland has obviously Oakland. Las Vegas has really impressed me. With how they played lately, they they played really really well against the Chargers, who I think are legit this year. Um, Bears still don't impress me too much. I think the I'm I'm certain if, if I'm betting here if I'm betting this game, I'm definitely going to bet uh, money line for the Raiders. Once to get around once to get around to it, but uh, spread's a little bit tougher. I can see this game being within three points possibly. Um, Ooh, is like five and a half is the spread? uh just five just five does not change much um man i can really see a 27 24 score for this game i'm still going to take the raiders to cover i think it's a safer option
0: i mean remember the lions are playing the vikings this week if you if you ever want to switch your pick this is what's what's the spread uh seven and a half yeah seven and a half for the vikings
1: Right, I'm, I'm going to switch, and I'll take the Vikings to cover against Detroit.
0: Uh, which one do you want to switch, the Raiders I'm, or the Titans?
1: Uh, let's do let's do Raiders, because I think the Titans can win as long as they have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones healthy. So I'll, I'll switch the Titans one.
0: All right. Switch the Raiders, yeah? There we go.
1: Raiders, yeah. My fault. Right.
0: Yeah. He's rolling with the Vikings. Finally, Sunday Night Football, Bills at Chiefs. Chiefs, three-point favorites.
1: Oh, it's tough. The Chiefs have looked great offensively, but terrible defensively. The Bills have looked fantastic on both ends this week. Who's the home team? Is it Kansas City, I think? It is
0: in Kansas City. Three-point spread. You usually get three points for playing at home, which means they view the Bills and Chiefs equally.
1: Yeah, I think it's accurate. It's a great, great spread. Um, uh, um, give me the Chiefs to cover. I think they win this game. Uh, I think it can be within three points, though. Um, but I'm going to take the Chiefs because of the home field advantage, and I really think their offense is so high-powered. Uh, that means you
0: and I have I think- a head-to-head one here because I'm taking Buffalo this week and taking the points. So you and I have a head-to-head against each other.
1: Yeah, that's. I can see. I was actually going to say Buffalo at first, but you know what? I've I've kind of like decided, like you know, I've never bet against Mahomes, so I'm going to take that advice, even though it's not always worked. It's worked most of the time. I'm going to take it this time around and say they win.
0: That's what I did over on the slump buster. I'm hedging my bet here by saying I, I can win one if Mahomes wins, or I can win another one if Buffalo wins, and at the very least, I can get my uh, I can get my points in favor of Buffalo. So. Uh, No matter what, I walk away a winner in some way, shape, or form. So, I do. I like the Bills' money line, but I don't like them to win. I think this is going to be one of those like down to the wire type of games.
1: Yeah, I I I can agree. Uh, But you know, three points is safe though. Because if Kansas City wins by three, then it's a you know it's a draw. So I can I'm okay with that. I think I can feel safe with that.
0: Yeah, I mean Kansas. So Kansas City Buffalo is interesting. We can talk about this a little bit right at the end here because. I think the I think Buffalo is number one offense, number one defense in DVOA because they've played maybe the four worst offenses in the NFL this year when you talk about Pittsburgh, the Texans, Miami with no Tua, uh, and uh, who was the last one I'm thinking of? They played someone else terrible in week three. Um, damn, I forgot who they play. Oh, um, wait. God, who did they play in week it's three? Miami. They played Miami week two. I can't remember who they played oh, yeah. last week. I'll look it up real quick. While you're yeah, it was about. it was before the text. it was another really bad offense. But the point I think like going from playing the worst offenses to playing the best offenses is never a great situation for any team. They played Washington, that's right. They had yeah. uh they they beat up on Washington in that weird like rain sleet game, whatever. Um but I think going from playing the worst offenses to the best offenses is going to be a weird test for their defense. Not that they're not going to succeed, we just don't know how good their defense actually is against like really good offenses.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good good point. And I think that uh, Mahomes is his own beast. And even then, uh, even with the unproven defense, I mean, even if they're the best defense in the country I, in the NFL, I definitely think Mahomes can still find a way to put up points. So that's why I think the uh, you know, Chiefs have a chance of covering here, even though I think I'm interested to see how the Bills' offense can take advantage of their Chiefs' defense. I us see if they're actually that bad because if they perform terrible and the, Chiefs, the Bills put up points every, every, every drive, then it could be a, a Bills win for sure.
0: This felt like one of those draft podcasts where we go for like two hours and then we're all, we're both just feeling exhausted at the end of it. This, this feels like one of those NFL draft week podcasts that we just did.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's exactly what it feels like, but you know, my voice is already hurting. I got my, uh, my throat from the game a couple of weeks ago, uh, but after these podcasts have been doing, it's going to hurt even worse. I'm still going to the game on Sunday. So my, my entire voice is just going to be gone. <laughs>
0: Just get something, some juice with citrus in it. I've found that that works out very well for myself. Uh, anything that gets citrusy juice wise can help immediately after you're done yelling, save your voice a little bit. I get like these like really? mango. Yeah, these like I get like mango, like something juices and they, they help f- fix my voice a little bit. So that would be my suggestion. Like mango lemonade or something like that. It ends up fixing my voice a bit after I've been yelling at a football game or
1: something. Okay. I actually might try that. Actually, it sounds like uh, a good idea. I love citrus drinks, anyways. Actually, I actually have a Gatorade right here. Yeah, Gatorade will definitely
0: do it. Gatorade will definitely do
1: it. Yeah. So I might do that. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, as long as it's
0: not like one of those like Glacier Freeze uh, flavors.
1: (laughs) The exact Gatorade I have right now, Glacier Freeze.
0: Yeah, no, it's got to be lemon lime. It's got to be orange. They might have a mango. I don't remember. Strawberry lemonade. It's got to be one of those flavors of of Gatorade.
1: (laughs) The blue is always the best. I I love the blue. Uh, Cool blue and Glacier Freeze My two favorites for sure.
0: So when I was a kid, I used to not like Gatorade. Like I would never drink it during like games and stuff. But as I've gotten older and realized it's just sugar water, like I've started drinking it more. Um, I think I'm just more of a citrusy person. Like I think I'd go like the yellow flavor or the the lime, lemon lime one. Orange one is good. Oh. Um, I think I just lean that way in general more. Um, red one, red one's okay, I guess. Red one's not my favorite, but it's it's all right.
1: I feel like I'm on the exact opposite. I feel like I always avoid the yellow flavor. I'm always going blue. Yeah, blue one, at least. Blue blue. one,
0: I I don't, I think I've had it maybe one time before. So I don't think I have a strong enough opinion on the
1: blue one. Maybe. Uh, But cool blue is the better one. I I like Grace Your Freeze, which is what I have right now, but cool blue is the best for sure.
0: Yeah, cool That's blue great. is like kind of a purplish type of color, which I think if you're doing the gambling thing during the Super Bowl where they're like, what color is the Gatorade going to be, which is a real prop bet you can make during the Super Bowl. Um, I think they call that one technically purple. And then the Glacier Freeze one is blue.
1: I would, I would always bet red in that one. I feel like they're always red.
0: I forgot what I think the Andy Reid one. It was I think it was like orange or something weird like that. Like two years ago, it was like a really obscure color, and then last year, I think it was the favorite, which might have been red. I don't remember, but I think it was the favorite last year was the one that won the bet. Okay, I don't know Actually, why I, I know this, a bet on that next yeah. time <laughs> I don't know That's why nice I remember fun. this. It's like fun Super Bowl prop bets like that. How long the anthem's gonna be? Um, weird things like that. You can bet on during the, who wins the coin toss, of course, which is just weird. You're just betting a coin toss, which is literally a 50, 50 chance. Um, yeah, you can bet on weird things like that all the time during the Super Bowl. The
1: well, Bengals are four and in coin tosses. I hope they're five and this next upcoming week. That'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> Speaking of coin tosses. Did you see the video of Jabril Peppers after the giants won that coin toss against the saints?
1: It was wonderful. Uh, yes that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I love Jabril Peppers after that.
0: Yeah, Jabril Peppers <sighs> Jabril Peppers has had like the weirdest career so far cuz he was like a first round pick. He was like one of these like Charles Woodson types like they tried to make him play offense so that he could win the Heisman and then he was like a first round pick and then he got traded for Odell Beckham and I'm just amazed by his career since then. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> been on
1: the terrible Giants. <sighs> just totally random. He's had a random career, but he's always been like sneakily solid too. He's never been bad by any means.
0: Yeah. I think he's always yellow on pro football focus. Like his, his grade is always in the yellow, never green, never
1: red, just always in the yellow. It's like 60. I think.
0: Yeah. Him and Dexter Lawrence are kind of the same way. And they were both traded for Odell Beckham. It's like, they're never green, never red, usually just right in the yellow. Except now we know Dexter Lawrence for jumping off sides against
1: Washington. (laughs) yep uh but Dexter Lawrence has also had his like fair share of really good games too. to be fair he's been really good sometimes
0: I'm also just milking Jabril Pepper's content here because Nolan Arenado is up with a runner on second and two outs in the seventh inning still a 1-1 game and I really want to see if Arenado strikes out here because I don't know what I'm rooting for here I hate the Dodgers but also i Arenado has always been like a weird relationship with me because uh, obviously Colorado, which is a, you know, he played the Padres a lot. So I remember watching him, but also I remember watching a Padres game and they're like major league debut for third baseman, Nolan Arenado. So I got to watch his MLB debut and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. So that's cool. It's like a cool memory. I hang on to it's like, yeah, it's Nolan Arenado's debut. And then he turned into a stud and I don't know. It's a weird relationship I have. With I actually
1: him. watched Joey Votto. I actually watched Joey Votto's debut with the Reds. Uh I don't remember it, but I was watching it in, in Tennessee with my dad. My dad was watching it. Uh the, the Reds. And Sean Casey, for those who don't know, is my favorite all-time baseball player just because he was my dad's and we all had his jersey and everything like that. We were huge fans, and he went to the Pirates. And uh, that was another love-hate relationship. We, were always, we always loved Casey, but we hated the Pirates. So we were like, well, let's just let Casey get the only hits of the game. <laughs> but uh, that was the year Joey Votto came in. And I remember we, my dad told me that we all kind of had like a sour taste in our mouth because we were like, well, we want to shine Casey. We don't want Joey Votto. And we were like, wow, really glad we got Joey Votto. <laughs> let me think about it.
0: Yeah, it's weird when that happens. By the way, Nolan Arenado popped out to first, so we didn't get any finish from this game. We've done a, our maybe one of our longest podcasts ever. We still didn't get a result from the baseball game. We started in the second inning, it's still the seventh inning after our longest podcast
1: ever. <laughs> It just shows how long baseball is. It's going to be in four hours.
0: (laughs) I love all of it. For one month of the year, I can do four and a half hour baseball games. I love it. Just for one month of the year, I'm okay with it. The rest of the time, nah, I'm good. I'll watch it 30 minutes and do something else. But for one month of the year, I'm okay with four and a half hour
1: baseball games. You know, I I love baseball. Don't get me wrong. And I I do watch the playoffs. But I feel like my time in, in that kind of area is during like opening day. Cause like down the line, I'm a lot more focused on football now, right? Like football and now basketball is coming up soon. Like that's, that's what I'm really thinking about more now. So I really, baseball, I love baseball and I'll still watch it, but it doesn't like cross my mind as much.
0: By the way, just to close out a loop on this podcast, they just showed another Buffalo Wild Wings commercial, and this time it had Stephon Diggs in the commercial instead of Josh Allen. I think with maybe you can get away with Josh Allen. With Stephon Diggs, you need to write Stephon Diggs NFL wide receiver underneath his name because no one's going to know that it's Stephon Diggs if that's who's (laughs) in your commercial.
1: You know what? Diggs is another good one. I enjoy that one. (laughs) Yeah. Some of Uh, these players are just obscure. Honestly, I would argue, though, Josh Allen's probably worse. I'm not going to lie. Really?
0: You think Stephon Diggs is recognizable? Like, we recognize him, but I think the common person is not going to recognize Stephon Diggs.
1: But his Minneapolis miracle will always be remembered. Like, if if you watch football, you know that play.
0: That's you just reminded me. I forgot he had that campaign after the Minnesota Miracle with Geico, where he's like how everything sticks to Stephon Diggs' hands, and he's like trying to put out the trash, and it's like stuck yeah. to his hand. I forgot he had that commercial after the <laughs> Minnesota Miracle.
1: Yeah, so I, I definitely, I definitely can see him being a. Uh, I can definitely see his face being in a commercial more than Josh Allen, at least. Who I, I honestly, if you told me how Josh Allen, what Josh Allen sounds like, I couldn't even tell you. i don't don't, don't know if i've ever heard the men speak
0: that's a great point i don't know i don't know either i i couldn't tell you how josh allen sounds stefan diggs i do. i maybe you're right maybe stefan diggs is more recognizable than josh allen i guess i was just doing a quarterback wide receiver thing there
1: yeah i mean yeah i mean i i mean i would say josh allen's name might be more well known probably but when it comes to like you know, like actually, like when people when you actually show like Stephon Diggs, like oh, that's the guy that did the Minneapolis miracle. That's the guy from that commercial. You know, like you could see like maybe how that would work.
0: You know what? Maybe you're right, and maybe we can do another hour of talk about this, so we could maybe get to the ninth inning of this
1: baseball game. Who knows? <laughs> we can see, but that's that's another two and a half hours of talking about commercials.